So, um, hey, hey guys, That's... welcome back. Uh, good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Obviously, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, welcome to the hashtag Uncensored Podcast. Yours truly, your man Solitaire, uh, DJ Ready Fox, No Better Nina. How are you guys doing this week? I'm good. That was a really energetic start to the show, Solitaire. I liked it. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Good. I'm excited. You know why? Because uh, I, because uh, That's I had a little bit of a sugar rush. Oh, so you're you're on your sugar down now, aren't you? No, I'm on my sugar up. Well, you should. Up, okay, up, up, I'm just saying the way you started the episode. Things are fantastic. Yeah, it's it's all good, man. But you'll be more energetic when we start the radio portion of the show, right? Oh lord. <laughs> right. I think my anyway. Yes. All right. So how are you guys doing anyway? It's good, man. It's it's hot. It's hot outside. It's, it's week one hundred thousand of the pandemic. And uh, there's so many things going on. The biggest thing that's uh, on everybody's mind is sending the youths them back to school and what a kerfuffle. Uh, None of us have any kids, but uh, I mean, I legit have all of my friends who are parents are legit like sprung right now. Like, what are we going to do in September? (laughs) And they're like, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. Some Some are legit keeping their kids home. Yeah. Well, look at that camp even. Sorry not to cut you off, but the camp camp right there was an example. The kid who just got it at camp. Right. Yeah, I didn't even hear about that. There's a kid at Camp TO at Barbara from Community Center or something. He got the virus, so they've closed it for a week now to clean it. Hey, let's (laughs) real quick before we start the radio portion of the show, Solitaire, let me ask you, if you were premier and you were a dictator, almost just like Doug Ford... And you had a chance, you had the decision to say whether or not the kids go back to school in September, what would you do? I think that I would make this a hybrid year. I would do it uh, some in class, alternating days, some online. And we kind of like, you can kind of leave the choice up to the parents, which one they want to choose. But either way, it would be like like a checkerboard of online and in class lessons so that they're have an opportunity to distance and have a combination of, of learning styles. Cause I think online learning is at that weird stage where it's wonky to kids now because it's so new and so thrust upon us. But I believe that ultimately kids will adapt to it because kids among us are the most adaptable to, you know, evolution and technology or developments of technology. So that would be my thing. All right. That's actually a pretty good answer, but um, you know what time it is. We gotta, right. we gotta go. All right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. It is Saturday. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's Saturday. It's- You're here. We're here. We're here. Welcome to Saturday, hashtag. August 15th. There you go. Oh, right there on top of the page. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, welcome to the program. You're tuned in, locked in, dialed into hashtag the greatest conversation on the planet. Yours truly, Solitaire. I am in my bunker uh, somewhere in Toronto and I'm joined from their respective bunkers by DJ Reddy Fox. Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. Uh, no better, Nina. Hello, good morning. I don't want to call it a bunker. I want to call it a humble abode. A humble, a humble abode. Well, excuse it's me. more comfortable, cozy. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're not hunkered down. You are, you are sprawled out and comfortable. Exactly. That's very cool. Are you guys fighting there in your house? Nina? Uh, no, I see because I live in the basement, basically, like the whole basement is mine. I don't really have to go upstairs other than to eat. So okay. I just eat quickly and then go back to my basement. So you're a basement dweller. 
Yeah, basically. And it's like, <laughs> nice, you know, I have my bathroom, my room, the common area. It's like I live here rent free. It's a COVID, it's a COVID free, a COVID apartment for people who can't afford. And it keeps you from rent. killing your family. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, well, well, listen, that, that is an excellent situation to be in. All things considered, it could be much, much yes, worse, yes. especially after your your pilgrimages to Chick-fil-A and <laughs> whatnot. So you've come a long way. So we're happy for you. We're happy you're still here. Yes. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have an action-packed program full of insightful conversations about what's going on in the world today. Uh, we definitely enjoy engaging with you on social media. And we are also planning on doing a better job. And we want to interact with you more and hear feedback from you a lot more often. So we encourage everybody out there to not only continue to follow us, but share with your network at hashtag Vibe105 on Twitter and Instagram. We have a lot more interactive polls and, and interesting articles and discussion pieces. You might even see me post a couple of little snappy videos here and there, but we have a lot of things on the uh, agenda coming this fall so make sure you follow us on our social media platforms okay um right now before we actually get into the show show we have a little review of the poll question from last week and the poll question of the week no better nina okay so last week we talked about um so we asked with megan the stallion coming out and making multiple statements on the alleged shooting involving her and tori lanes do you think he should come forward and say something the options were yes we need the story no it's an open case or he's quiet for a reason and the results the 50 percent of people said yes we need the story 22.2 oh, percent <laughs> said no it's an open case and 27.8% said he's quiet for a reason. So majority wants a story like I do. So maybe he'll see our poll and, and talk. People oh, just want to be right. in people's business. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. He's going to see your poll and he'll be like, you know what? Nina's right. I'll send it to him on Instagram. Well, no matter what, if it's a legal case, it's going to come out. We're going to find out about what's going to happen, right? Yeah. but You're so yeah. beaten up over this as a Tory Lanez fan, aren't you? Do you think yeah. his career is done from this? If yeah, if this comes out, like it's gonna be worse than no, worse than what no. Chris Brown did. It's gonna be done, done. No, no. You know what? Uh, Takashi Six Nine has completely altered my expectation of what happens when people do the most asinine things. Um, anything is possible. But I think because this is like a violence against a woman thing, like I, I think it will be done. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, there's. let's let the story unfold. I don't think people want to support him anymore if he really did do this. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think people want to. Like, that's not a good thing. That's like, how is that a good look to actually legitimately try to shoot somebody in their foot? Especially well, a I, woman. Well, I mean, we, we, we only have one account of the story. You right. Know what I'm saying? So right. We don't, yeah. I, I'm not going to, like, jump out the window just yet. Let's. Let's, yeah. let's hope that the, it, there is some other thing that we have not seen or heard about that would, you know, will be the deciding factor. But um, what's this week's question? So this week we're asking another Megan Stallion poll. So Cardi B and Megan recently released a song, WAP, WAP, long with a music video, which many were quick to describe as quote unquote too much or degrading <laughs> to women. Uh, we want to know, do you think this song was empowering to women and their sexual desires or degrading to what a woman is overall? Hmm. Your options were, yes, very degrading, no, empowering AF, or what's a WAP? 
Oh. So head over to at hashtag by 105 Nina. on Instagram to make your vote count. You shouldn't put that as the third option. Now, if somebody hears that, now they got to ask their parents or they're going to ask somebody. <laughs> are they going to Google it? Hey, man. Those, are, those words are in the English language. Yep. It's going to be a new term now. Everyone's going to be saying it. So, like, you're just going to hear whap, whap, whap everywhere you go. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, we got to stop. The, I, I feel bad the, saying it right now. But, but you know what? Isn't that such an interesting thing? Does does the phrase WAP now become like a curse word? The, yeah. this is the, it, it will, I guess, eventually it probably will because it's no, almost... It won't. Well, yeah, because so. trees so. did. Remember, they started to block out the word trees in hip-hop songs whenever yeah. they said it. And I was like, yo, I couldn't believe it. They started to bleep out the word trees. And we well, all... Not... Actually... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What are you going to say? They've actually... The clean version of WAP is uh, wet and gushy. Wow. Okay, that's not even any better. <laughs> so sorry, people with the children in the cars Nino. listening to the show this morning right now. We apologize for Nina's filthy mouth. <laughs> we do. We apologize for Nina. How dare you? But um, you're gonna you're you're putting parents in some difficult positions right now, Nina. Oops. My bad. I'll explain it to them. Just get them to message me and I'll send them the link to the song. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about it later in music, I have a feeling. Yeah, we, are. we are. We are. We are. We are. All right. Well, thank you very much for that uh, insightful and informative poll question. I'm very curious as to what people think, but we're going to talk about that whole situation a little bit more in the music news, I think. Are we yes. touch on yes. a little bit? All right, ladies and gentlemen, now it is time for us to get into this week's round of headlines bullet news style <laughs> it's time for have you heard now ladies and gentlemen we'll probably we may just end up getting to these top two because this is what's on everybody's mind across north america last week we touched a little bit about it in uh, the politics as usual segment which is all anybody can be consumed with we're in the middle of august and schools are set to open in a little over two weeks. And right now in Ontario, the whole situation is a complete unmitigated disaster. Can we can we just before we you talk about this? Because you actually we were talking about it before we came on the air this morning. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're faking it because we're kind of pre-recording <laughs> this all the same. But the point being is that Solitaire, I asked you if you were premier, what mm. you would do. And I actually think you've got a pretty good idea. So mm. I don't think we should have not not shared this bad grammar <laughs> for everybody out there um, listening to the show right now. So this is the question that I posed to you before we started the show. Yeah. If you were premier and you were a dictator, very much like Doug Ford is. <laughs> <laughs> dictator Doug is back. If you, were, if you were very much a dictator like Doug Ford, what would your solution to be in terms of kids going back to school or not in September? Uh, I think it should be a hybrid on all levels, uh, like from from kindergarten all the way up to, because I mean, at the, what do you mean at by the, hybrid? Like hybrid online and in class lessons. So you split the classes. Everybody splits their time half time online, half time in class. That way, it's a little bit of an easier transition. They will have an opportunity to be with the teachers on certain days. You're able to limit your class sizes, and maybe it's even a thing where they. I mean, this would have required some, you know, advancements in technology, but the classes that their students are in class and in online at the same time, you know what I mean? Which would require more teachers. But it's interesting because I'll get to the story as to why Hold it's on a important. Sec. I don't think that would require more teachers. 
if the, well, if the one teacher is in the classroom, they're always in the classroom. But if the kids are at home, some kids are at home because I think this is actually a really good idea. I've never thought of somebody. I haven't heard anybody propose this at all in terms of they hire me. split splitting mm-hmm. the time between the kids staying at home and going to school. That way they can get a little bit of each life. You know what I mean? That's yeah. actually a really good idea because that's the only thing I think that people are concerned about with the kids is the mental the mental yeah. thing of it is just being cooped up in the house. We, a lot of people have already had a hard time with it just over these last few months. But for it to extend beyond September, thinking about the kids' mental health as well. So I actually think this is actually a really good idea. I, I hope someone that can make decisions is listening to this right now. Cause... I, I, th- I think I've heard that. I, I can't take credit for that idea. I'm pretty sure I've heard the hybrid uh, plan uh, suggested by teachers and other people. So I don't want to take, I don't want to take credit. Like I think it's a good I idea. It. I think but it's a good I, idea. I think that why would I say, uh, why I say it would require extra teachers because, you know, it's obviously a difference between keeping the focus of students in class and then having to like pay attention to kids online on a screen might be a little bit of a challenge. They'd probably need something like a teacher's assistant. I don't think a teacher in the classroom can handle both at the same time. But the point being is, uh, I just want to get to the, the headline, which is, you know, uh, the Ontario premier on Wednesday came out and was upset. He was upset. He's like, I don't understand why the teachers union won't cooperate with us. And I, and I, <laughs> I quote, he said, I'm asking for the teachers union's cooperation. Why can't the teachers unions get along with us? They're constantly, <laughs> he's like, they're, they're constantly, you know, out there fighting. We can't get things done. I just don't understand it. I just don't. And I'm like, this is not a schoolyard argument, bro. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what was your plan? And, and the thing is, what have you guys heard? Like in terms of reaction, I know I was talking about my, my, you know, my friends who have kids. Do you guys have any friends with kids or what has their response been? Like after hearing this news, Nina. Um, I don't have any friends with kids, but I have friends who are teachers, and I mm. haven't heard anything from them to be honest with you, because I don't really talk to them about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I'm no, but to be honest, like because I, like I don't have kids, there's no kids in my house who are in like elementary school and stuff. Um, I haven't really like paid very much attention as to like I didn't realize that school would actually start within a couple weeks from now until you just said it. I was like, oh crap. You know, because um, you're already out of school. You're like, yeah, forget school. Yeah, I'm done like, with that. Yeah, I'm just like adulting, you know, so, well, trying to. So, yeah, but like I, um, I, I now I'm curious to see like what they say about it. But I don't think, you know what, for me, I don't think it's a good idea to go back at all. Only because now I'm scared because of that one case in the camp that got caught this week at Camp right. Pio, right. Uh, like Barbara from Community Center or something. Kid got COVID. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like this is going to spread like wildfire when they go back to school. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm thinking. That's, this one kid got it at camp. Who knows how many other kids are going to have it now in two weeks from that camp. I'm, I do. I worry about the kids' mental health for this thing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. terms of being cooped. And just for the parents, too. The parents need a break as well. And there's no way for the it's, – it's a conundrum for parents to be able to go back to work if the opportunity is there for them. But they yeah. can't do it if their kids are still at home because they're not going to school, right? They still need to be at home for their kids. So it's a tough situation for parents on that front if they want to try to get back out into the workforce. If the opportunity is even there for them in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. But what do you do? We've seen it already happening in other countries where they started to go back to school. Kids uh-huh. are great carriers for this thing, right? And I was just saying this is solitaire earlier before is that just because you might be doing all the necessary precautions with your children in your household, 
now your kid is going back to school with someone else whose parents might be anti-mask or who knows and now their kid they might be a karen it could be any sort of well hopefully they're not a karen but so i mean so i mean i don't want to get too much into the details because in that aspect because these two headlines are very related and it's an important obviously uh this has been discussed (laughs) ad nauseum by families teachers and what strikes me as odd is he's uh, as Premier is saying, we've had, you know, 120 meetings with the teachers unions trying to craft this back to school plan. But somehow when they announce it, the teachers union are so opposed to it. They said they'd have multiple safety concerns, primarily about class sizes and about mandatory masks for all students. Mm-hmm. So obviously, whatever discussions you were having, it wasn't to come to a compromise on what's best for safety. Otherwise, the teachers' union wouldn't be threatening to sue. Right. So so after he made this announcement, is that me? Oh, no, it's just it's unfortunately the, the things <laughs> yeah. of doing remote radios, sometimes stuff happens outside of your building. I was about to say, they're yeah. coming for you. So the thing about <laughs> it is that's interesting is he makes this announcement. He's upset that the union's not cooperating with him. When it's clear, like, I, I'm not going to speak for what the situation is behind the scene, but I've heard teachers who said that basically when the public hears the news, the announcements, that's when the teachers Of hear. course. <laughs> I guarantee you that's what it is. And this is the problem that it's been with this guy from day one is that right. he'll make announcements about policies that he's going to do, but he hasn't consulted the necessary people beforehand mm-hmm. to even have the conversations in the first place. So this has been his modus operandi for the most part or his way of doing things or whatever there's no method to this madness but he'll do he will put out the announcement then the teachers or whatever union or whoever freaks out and then they have to go to the table and then they talk about it and then you come to some sort of compromise and then you just repeat the same cycle over and over with this guy ready fox ready fox you are the amazing kreskin i know nina you don't know who that reference is but you just exactly predicted what happened so that complaint that doug ford made on wednesday he also at the end said look out we've got another big announcement coming down the pipeline that was wednesday thursday we wake up and all of us poof out of thin air the ontario education minister stephen lecce announces that they've unlocked 500 an additional 500 million dollars to improve distancing ventilation for back to school one day apart one day apart yeah, so, and I mean, what they're suggesting now, what they're, I don't understand, there's obviously a, a severe lack of communication and perception of communication. And based on what Doug Ford is saying and the teachers union is saying, it's clearly coming from the province because they're supposed to be on top of it and they're not. So that in and of itself makes me completely averse to kids going back to school. It's almost better that we take a month at least delay Honestly, it by another month to figure this out. I don't think it's a popular opinion, and I don't have kids, so again, my opinion isn't worth much. But just based on what our numbers are, we've been doing well, I think, mm-hmm. in Ontario for the most part, and I feel like our numbers are slowly going down. Like oh, yeah. We have some inches up and down, but it, overall our trending is going in the right direction, I think, right? Yeah, I don't think... I think just to play it safe, maybe kids should go back to school in January. I'm yeah. saying I'm saying at this point, not to say that they should not be in some kind of school, but I think it should be some kind of alternating day pattern 
where it's like maybe even in two or three days. I like segments. that idea. I think that's a because good idea. that's the only way you're going to be able to have distancing and have kids have an opportunity to be in class. And in between those days, they're online. And you give the parents mm-hmm. the opportunity to do stuff when their kids are in class. Maybe it's a yeah. week on a week off. Something between like, like that, half man. the class, something like that. I think that would be a good idea. I don't know who's listening. You guys, I hope you guys are listening to hashtag. <laughs> I, I find so. it, I find it hard to believe that that has not been discussed, and I, I would be curious to know why it was not seriously Approved. considered in this situation. Like, you got to make some phone calls, to? solitaire. You got to get on the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'll definitely get on the case. So, so uh, this kind of related to it. Uh, I probably got a minute, but I just want to mention this. I came across this article and this whole idea of sanitizing everything and how everybody's focusing like grocery stores and restaurants that are reopening and the New York subway system shut down their subway system for the first time in like 150 year history so that they could sanitize everything is apparently the wrong approach for dealing with the spread of coronavirus, which is established that it's primarily uh, transmitted through droplets in the air. It's an airborne virus. And this idea of over sanitization and spending elaborate amount of money on sanitizing spaces <clears throat> is proven to be kind of a waste of, of re- a waste of resources. Uh, we're going to tweet that article so you can look out for it and you can get a little bit more information. It was written by Derek Thompson in the Atlantic. And it basically is, talks about how this whole idea of hygiene theater, as they're referring to it, is a waste of time and we need to focus on wearing masks and encouraging people think, to physically distance. I think it still makes people feel safe, though, when they know, know that pe- the surfaces are being cleaned. For sure. Cleaned no, it is, like, I think it still serves for people's mental. Like he did say, he did say in the article that it's not, it's, it's rare, but it's not impossible. So it's still important that you practice hygiene every time you go inside, don't touch your face, wash your hands, and obviously make sure your surface is clean. But in terms of like how businesses are investing huge amounts of resources into like desan, like sanitizing the whole space and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's a waste of money. It's, it's a big waste of money. And I think it was more so they were talking about how the New York subway system and schools are like placing this huge emphasis on keeping surfaces clean. And I think he was actually talking about the experiment that led to that being something that was pushed by uh, health officials was based on an experiment that said it was like like five people with COVID coughing on the same spot. And then you like two minutes later coming, put your hand on it, touching your face like the span of time. Why would you want to be in that experiment? Well, that's what they're saying. It was kind of like over, it was overblown the experiment to kind of test for the virus. I guess they were trying to see, put it in extreme situations to figure out like if it was, you were able to contract it from surfaces. But basically over time, the, uh, I guess the potency of it or whatever dies down on surfaces to a point where and like by the time you touch it and you walk away and then you go home it's like it dissipates over time it's it's droplets that they got to focus on it's funny because just quickly i know we have to wrap up but um it's funny like this is how much they like how little we know about this virus because first it was you catch it from anything then it was it's not airborne then it was it's surface only gonna stay on the surface for three to five days now it's it's airborne not surfaces like what is it yeah but hold on can i just say something about that as well too i know we're supposed to be wrapping up but i think people have two unrealistic expectations about how much the scientists are supposed to know about a brand new virus no yeah yeah yeah, like no but that's why they literally called it a novel virus in terms of a brand new 
new virus that they've never seen before. It's not you don't just learn about a new virus overnight. And remember, you guys, it's only August. It's eight months of a new virus now that these scientists have been trying to study and learn and figure out. So they learn new things as time goes on. But I feel like people, when they realize new things about it or new things that we can do to protect ourselves, it doesn't discredit all of a sudden everything that they said in the past or discredit them for ever saying anything in the future. Like that's the weird thing that some people have in terms of this mentality of just because they've changed their tune about some things about the virus, they are actually learning about it on the fly to you guys. Like let's be clear about that, about the scientists, just because they changed their tune about something doesn't mean that all of a sudden you should just discredit everything they say going forward. I think the, the most important thing is I'm still 10 times out of 10 going to take the word of a scientist over a Facebook expert that says, these guys don't know what they're talking about. So there's also that. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, obviously we are all in the middle of this together. So physically distance when possible. If you can't, make sure you wear a mask. Wash your hands. Let's look out for each other. Right now, we got to pay some bills, take a break. If you're listening to Vibe 105 right now, stay tuned. And for those of y'all on the podcast, stay with us. Yeah, it was like <clears throat> you're right. Podcast but time. The, but the <laughs> but the but the thing about what you you know what Reddy was saying is so poignantly. We we, <laughs> we definitely <laughs> have this, and all of us too. Like even I'm kind of guilty, and it's and in this day and time, it's so easy to kind of feel disenchanted with with all information. But mm-hmm. you got to be careful, and I think it for me, it's kind of like you got to start going from a perspective like if somebody if the journalist writes an article about the story and is claiming facts what i start doing now is i go read other articles that this journalist has written to try to get a perspective of how balanced is he where what's his overall philosophy on different issues and what's his thinking does he try to approach it from a analytical objective perspective need to go that far into in terms of searching their Depending on what the situation is. I mean, depending on the article, we, you, you could pretty much gain a, an understanding of the direction from the first The, the first, first paragraph. phrase for me when I'm going to decide whether or not I'm going to trust it is just even just the, the, the source of the website itself. Is it the Huffington Post? Is it the Atlantic? Is it Breitbart? Is it Fox News? You know, like that's the first level there. But guys already somewhat earn a bit of trust like charles blow who writes for the new york times and just anything from the new york times for that matter even rolling stone is a pretty trustworthy thing if some if they're willing to give somebody you know space to write something in there on anything in terms of politics or science they've probably already been vetted pretty well in order to get into rolling stone in the first place right so i don't think you need to go that extra step in terms of looking at other things that these people have written if the source that where you're getting it from is already a reliable source something like even vogue magazine which has been known to have a lot of good political articles in it as well right you know is it a my friends make fun of me because sometimes people would post like super. I mean, I know the word woke is dying off, but just for lack of a better descriptor, super woke articles. And I think it's like teen people. Am I right? Teen people magazine? Oh, I don't know. I haven't, I don't really read magazines. No, but I mean, it's online. It's not, not like the physical magazine, but they post articles <laughs> and the articles are like, I would see the title and then I would read the article. I'm like, yo, damn, that's some insightful shit. And it's from like, uh, teen people or people teen or whatever. I can't, teen I'm, people sounds right. Or is it maybe teen Vogue? It might be teen Vogue or something. Like where, where did this come from? Like, where are you going with this? I don't get it. 
wants no, to know I, it's a cool outlet. Yeah, no, you're talking about like reputable outlets that you can trust the 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 news that they're reporting. Oh, Team the People outlet. is one of these things for you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. For like, real? Well, I mean, well, what I'm saying is I've re- I've read. <laughs> hold on, articles. wait, hold on, wait, see, see it, see it. I've read articles that were actually very insightful and balanced. And when I looked at the link, I'm like, oh, this is Team People. Oh shit, like. So that reason I say that is I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, definitely you're talking about the Times or the Atlantic or whatever. Like you can kind of put a level of trust, but sometimes a good article, you never, I'm, I, not that I've seen it from Breitbart, but I would not, I would not uh, look the other way if it was referred to me by somebody I trust. May so I ask you, do you, do you subscribe to teen people? <laughs> I, I, I will not answer that question. Why? Why? That's a fair question. You just said, hold on. You just said. No, I don't that subscribe. That you to find people. informative articles in teen people. I said I've been referred articles. It's been a I've good source articles. of articles from teen people. So I think asking you if you subscribe to teen people is a fair question. Nina, is that not a fair question? I, I think so. so. Uh, yeah, it's a fair question. That's a fair question. You could subscribe okay. to them. Do you follow them on Instagram? No, no, I don't. No, I, I smirk. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? Honestly, I don't really subscribe to a lot of of news networks on on social media because then you got to turn on notifications. And as you know, news media outlets tweet and post oh, like, way right. too much. So I'd rather just kind of go like in the morning. I'll check for certain articles. Like I'll check the overall news, local news, and like mm-hmm. important news around the world. And then if I'm on Facebook, I'll see articles that people post <coughs> about whatever issues and I'll click on it. That way. But I, don't, I don't really follow these outlets. It's too much, man. It's, I'm not in, I'm not in journalism. I'm not a journalist. I just want to read. I just want to keep yeah, myself. But you always say that you want to read everything, though. You say that all the time. No, I want to read everything that's related to the topic that I'm interested in. Like I'm trying to get if I'm trying to learn about something new or like a situation that's happening in the, around the world, you want to have context, right? So you try to try to consume as much information about it, so you can not seem like a uh, like okay. a like an asshole when you're talking about it. Okay, you know I thought, but I thought you said sometimes you can't take people fahidiyat, and I'm saying sometimes you can, and that's why you can skip over some people if you take them fahidiyat before you even read their stuff. You know what uh, I mean? Uh, well, I, I'm you only say you talking won't do about. That. No, I only talk about. Like, Articles that are referred to me. Okay, I hear that. But uh, we got to get into radio, yo. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the program. You tuned into hashtag right here. Li- not live. I almost said live. Tricked ya. We are pre-recorded <laughs> here. You're not, you're not tricking anybody with the way this sounds. You know that, right? They don't know. They don't know. You'd be surprised. What do you mean? I don't know. Listen, don't... don't uh, you know, don't sully, don't sully our, our our listenership. Maybe they're just enjoying it. It feels live to them. Okay, but listen, uh, we appreciate you. Make sure uh, all of our listeners follow us on our social media platforms at hashtag vibe one five one zero five on Twitter and Instagram, and share with a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We want to engage more with you. We have a lot more engaging style tweets and conversations that we'd like to start with our listeners and their friends and their friends friends so uh keep in touch with us and definitely comment and share your thoughts on anything that we discuss on the program 
All right, now we are moving into our politics as usual segment, and I will let Reddy Fox take over from here. What is the hot topic for discussion today? Well, today the hot topic is and always will be every day, all day, Black Lives Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, people. (laughs) All day, day, every day. Every day, all day, people. Can I get an amen? Thank you very much. (laughs) Right. So, but here's the thing, though, guys, uh, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, what if I told you it hasn't even been three months since George Floyd's death? Would you, does it feel like it's been longer than three months? It feels like it's been an eternity. Yeah. This, feels okay, it feels way longer to me. Again, I just for a reminder for everybody out there, May twenty fifth, May twenty fifth was the twen- was the day that George Floyd was lynched in broad daylight by a police officer. I'm not even going to say his name, but the point being is that three other police officers stood ground while this police officer killed him in broad daylight with his hands cuffed behind him, with his hand in his pocket in broad daylight, looking into a camera. And that's all I'll say about that. It was one of the most heinous things that we've seen. And it set off what we've seen over the last few months in terms of protests, not just in the States, but all over the world. We've had protests in Toronto. We've seen protests in New Zealand, Australia, the UK. Germany had a huge turnout for a Black Lives Matter protest. I was surprised to see that. And I really think they just were like, you know what, we have to turn out because History ain't looking too good for us. I know what you did, Germany. I actually think it was mandatory in Germany for everyone to go out to the Black Lives Matter protest. I think Angela Merkel made that like a mandatory thing for the Germans. I'm just saying, you guys, you showed out. I think you guys did a bit too much, but I'm just saying. No, they did not. They did not do too much. But the thing is that it hasn't felt like it's only been three months. And, um, you know, we've seen the protests spring up all around the world. And unfortunately, we've also seen a lot of violence in the states as well which was unfortunately that that kind of happened pretty quickly after the the protest really kicked off um after george floyd's death so i just wanted to quickly recalibrate where we are right now because i feel like some people are also getting protest fatigue about it even though i'm saying like it's not going to stop there's a lot of things that we need to discuss about black lives matter and we will get to defunding the police about that ontario health uh or human rights commission uh thing that came out just talking about police brutality in Toronto itself. We will touch on that. But for you guys, what has it been for you guys for the last couple of months now, just in terms of what have you seen from the protests? What have you been surprised by uh, with the protests over the last three months uh, with Black Lives Matter? And I'll start with uh, Solitaire. Uh, well, I think for me, I'm, I was, I'm blown away by the fact that there's still daily protests happening in Portland. Like, I'm still confounded by the fact that Breonna Taylor's killers still haven't been, like, they're, it's almost like they're really trying to wait out the protests, like this online campaign to keep the pressure on the government and the people in the criminal justice system to say, no, we're not letting this go. It's been 120, what, 128 over days? 100, I, think I think it's over 150 days now. You know, so yeah. it's... It's like in light of all of the injustices against black and people of color that have been brought to light, it's still amazing to me that there's some kind of like active resistance and pushback to uh, from people who don't who still want to say things like all lives matter or like, you know, well, you don't have to burn down the stores or they don't have to burn down their own communities or what about black on black crime? How come they never protest black on black crime? It's like. It's like I've been saying, you're you're being deliberately obtuse, and I'm surprised yeah. 
that there is still well, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised. I guess... I'm surprised, but uh, let me ask you, Nina, as well, too. Like, what is, what has been a real eye opener for you <laughs> in terms of the last few months with Black Lives Matter? Like, is there anything that maybe you were like surprised to learn, or just people's reaction as well, especially like the All Lives Matter type people? Um, the what Solitaire said, the continuation of daily protests. I was gonna say the whole thing with like when you see those videos of police like joining the protesters, but then I'm like, some of that was staged, so that's that's out of the question for me. But the daily protest was my literal answer, um, specifically with regards to Portland as well and how it's still happening and it's every single day, like the consistency of it, which I I can admire because yeah, like you said, it's not dying down anytime soon. This time it's different because we're in the middle of a global pandemic people are able to actually go to these protests people who might not have originally been able to because they needed to go to their jobs so now everyone has this ability to go and show out and show support and and demand justice and i think that's like one of the best things to happen during this pandemic can it, yeah, i was going to ask that to both of you actually that you touched on that nina do you think if the pandemic wasn't happening at all would we even have had these protests in the first place if George, if what had happened to George Floyd had happened without people, with people just living their daily lives as usual? Do you think we would have seen the protests kick off the way they did before? And I'll start with you, Nina, since you brought it up. No, um, I say that because uh, there was many, 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 many other people before George Floyd um, that died because of the police that were killed because of the police and um, people had jobs and, and, families to support they didn't have a choice but to go to work and support for their family and we didn't see that we saw protests but they were not lasting three months long every single day so i don't think so no what about you solitaire oh i think the answer is pretty clear i i I don't think it would have i i there's just so many aspects to this like the whole situation that is that is completely confounding to me i (laughs) I, I don't want. I didn't even want to relive it. I'm starting to. I'm starting to get emotional. Of, to, well, let me let me ask you this. It. Just referring back to these people now that they literally are politicizing the term, this the statement "Black Lives Matter." They're literally oh. when they hear that statement, they're thinking it's like a political term. And I've seen some outrageous things of people trying to say everything from its Marxism to it's like wanting to destroy the police or whatever they'll still try to twist the narrative in any way shape or form so have you also been surprised by that amount of resistance in terms of people going out of their way to change the narrative no yeah yeah i i've been saying it for months now it i i don't have a a place anymore like i I definitely reached you know i'm ready we've talked about this before like i felt like i've i had a a certain capacity for being able to kind of see injustice and just try to be like, just to absorb and understand the different perspectives on it without internalizing it. I've reached that capacity and now I don't have a place. Like I literally shut down when it comes down to discussions where people will say things like all lives matter. I literally, (laughs) it's funny. I had a, I had a passing discussion with somebody just, you know, a conversation that came up and she's like, you know, people don't think for themselves. And, you know, like they always just listen to what they say on the news and what they say about Trump and, you know, say what you want, but Trump has done so much for, for business. And like, he's a, he's great for business in America. And I was just like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love mm-hmm. to have an opportunity to speak to someone like that, though, honestly, at this point in time, because. No, no. But see, you, listen, but the that, fact per, that, that she... person is putting the value of business over just the common decency of how you treat people. Exactly. Now, the fact that she looked at me, a black man, and made the point of saying, yeah, uh, you know, people want to say things about Trump, but Trump's doing a great job for the economy. He's great for the economy. I instantly made my mental note. I'm like, what is the point of trying to say, but you know what? He's also a bigot and he's also has some pretty racist tendencies and said some pretty and, and done some horrifically harmful things to, to communities of color. I don't have the energy to get into that discussion. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I've got, so for me, I, I my response where like, I love is it. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to, to the youthful energy of the protest because we need that. And I, I admire them so much for keeping up the pressure because my fight now is to, to be successful and help my community and focus on positive things that we can do to empower ourselves rather than trying to convince other people. Sure to stop saying all lives matter and okay. nonsense like that. Do you guys feel like Breonna Taylor has become the the, the the facto face of Black Lives Matter now at this point? Like, I, the thing with George Floyd, yeah, he might have been the catalyst that kind of got the protest going, but it really feels like, especially with how the whole thing of the Breonna Taylor case plays out, she's an EMS sleeping in her room with mm-hmm. her boyfriend. They kick in the door. Um, you know, her boyfriend even had the, the presence of mind to not even shoot. Like, he was trying not to kill by shooting at the feet of the perpetrators. As far as they were concerned, it was just someone breaking into their home, right? They didn't know Mm -hmm. it was police. And they weren't obviously expecting police since they hadn't committed any crimes, right? So do you guys feel like Breonna Taylor has kind of become the face of the Black Lives Matter movement now, maybe more so than George Floyd? Yeah, I think so at this present moment, yeah. And I think whenever they do decide to arrest the cops, um, I think from there we'll move on to Elijah McCain um, because we've also seen a lot about him and I'm still seeing a decent amount about him as well. But right now, yeah, it's definitely, definitely uh, Breonna Taylor is definitely the face of this movement at the current moment. Um, and she's still the one that everyone is pushing for justice for every single day because it's literally like, it's just like, everything is there and everybody is asking for you to serve justice and you're still not doing it. I just don't get how it's, how it's, how it's like this. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I again to the same thing that you say solitaire. I just don't understand the resistance at this point too. Now, like there's no evidence left to need to be found for the Breonna Taylor case. Like what yeah. more evidence do you need? Like it's all there in black is white, plain as day. Like, what are you guys waiting for to arrest these police officers now at this point? So mm-hmm. just real quick for yourself, Solitaire, do, do you still feel like it's George Floyd will still kind of be the face of the Black Lives Matter movement or it'll always be just a different face until we get justice for pretty much everybody at this point? I think ultimately they're they're kind of like uh, the two, um, you know, the two symbols together. I think both of them really should have a statue in their honor for what they've kind of, you know, solidified as a, as a moment in 2020 where we protest for action. We accept, you know, simple symbolic gestures like a black square on Instagram. We transitioned this year because of this moment, because of George Floyd, because of Breonna Taylor to understanding that tokenism and gestures symbolic gestures aren't enough we want the substantive changes in the way that we address 
you know, racism and systemic racism when it comes to our police forces. So I think oh, okay. I, I personally would like to see that they, they, they both get statues, I hope. Yeah, and that's great. And I'm, you hit the perfect note on the head there in terms of systemic racism, especially where the police are concerned, because that's, that's right. what I'm going to move on to now. The Ontario Human Rights Commission just recently uh, released new uh, evidence or new findings of a study that they've done recently um going just real quick just to tie a bow on the uh george floyd brianna taylor thing yeah i think it'll be there'll be like co-faces for it for a little while and Mm -hmm. same thing with elijah mcclain but we really saw at least for that week of george floyd's death we saw the spectrum of the three things that have been really problematic for black people in white spaces or in public in general we had the christian cooper amy cooper thing which is at one of the spectrum where someone can just weaponize the police against the black person whenever they want to. We also had the Ahmaud Arbery thing finally come to light in terms of that's white vigilantism of people that just feel that they can kill black people at a whim. And then you had the worst end of the spectrum all within the same week, a police officer murders George Floyd. So we saw three different incidents of the same, like the spectrum of things that are happening to black people very quickly. And let's not forget about Defonte Miller too. Defonte Miller, yeah, exactly. Well, Defonte Defonte Miller was the case, but that was a few years before. I'm not just talking about in 2020 for oh, oh, yeah, for what we've that. seen yeah. in a very short time of three different things that all played the spectrum of what can happen to black people. And if you think it can happen in the states and not happen in Toronto, you're dead wrong. So going mm-hmm. to this Ontario Human Rights Commission finding that basically black people are more likely to get arrested, charged, or force will be used against them by Toronto police. This is part of the reason why we had this argument recently when we wanted to see a defunding of police because we wanted money to go to other means of helping the community other than simply putting more boots on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, And what did they do? They put more boots on the ground. And what did they do? They put more <laughs> boots. Thank you, Solitaire. They put more <laughs> boots on the ground. So this report, this is a second uh. interim report that they've done now looking at police data from 2013 to 2017. And this is the reason why we've also seen a lot of arguments for saying that we need race-based data, which mm-hmm. is what something the Toronto police have been very adamant about fighting against. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they do it is because they know how to make them look. And mm-hmm. then we see these studies come out. And it kind of just proves it to us again now. And this is a real thing for people to remind you of. Black people only make up 9% of the population. That's it. Yeah, 8% apparently. It's 8.8. So I'm just rounding up to 9% because I actually thought the number... I thought the number was 10%, to be honest with you. I always, I've always said that we make up about 10% of the population. But I think for just Toronto, and this is still surprising, it's not that much. But when you hear some of these numbers... Tell me that the police are not targeting black people. I mm-hmm. dare you to tell me that there's not an issue in terms of racial bias when it comes to policing in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Some of these numbers are insane right now. And when you hear these numbers, it's like you definitely have to look at how police are trained, how much funding goes into police. Maybe we need to do other ways of policing, especially when it comes to dealing with things like mental health. And an, import- say, an, an important thing to remember, too, is how much do these police officers know and interact and engage with the communities they're in charge of policing? Yeah. That is a major, major key to, to addressing the issues because when you are, when you live in the suburbs and your job is to police a neighborhood in Regent Park and your only experience with black and racialized communities is through, is through television and, you know what I'm saying? And, right. and music videos. Yeah, no. 
you're you're you you don't understand the culture or the issues that face these communities, you're not going to be able to be empathetic to somebody who's having a mental health breakdown. I think it so should be mandatory point. for police. If you're going to be walking a beat in terms of a neighborhood, you should have to stay in that neighborhood for at least two years or something like that. Two or three years mandatory that mm-hmm. you stick to the same area and you have to get to know the people in the area. As this point as they like, it, it can't be that you guys just get whisked from one place to the city and the other place to the city, and you're yeah. going to police the people in that neighborhood. So, when it comes to violence being perpetrated by police against Black people, and again, a reminder for you: eight point eight percent of the population is Black people. But when it comes to cases, special investigation units, Black people make up twenty five percent of those investigations, and these are cases that usually involve police force. Cases that do involve police force or use of force, twenty eight percent. When it comes to black people, when it comes mm-hmm. to police shootings, 36 percent. This is right. this when you hear numbers like this for that's disproportionate by a country mile for uh, any like, you know, not to not to. I mean, like just reading this through the report and, and the re- the articles about the report. It's it's so frustrating. I, I want to kind of just touch on that because sometimes what people will use that statistic to say is because there's more black youth who are involved in gangs and drugs, and that's why they represent a higher percentage of, of youth getting shot. Yep. And that that's why I think this important this report is important because it highlights that disparity. And 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 a shout out to uh, I'm gonna mess up her name right now, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, Shadha? Yeah, you're oh, messing it up, all right. Well, you all said right. you'd mess it up. but I and, I, and I apologize. But, I mean, no disrespect, but here's basically a, she... What's that? I was just going to say, here's a perfect example as well, and you can go back to this person that you can continue to butcher their name after I'm done here. <laughs> thanks, thanks. It's thanks. just saying that, um, <laughs> again, us being 8% of the population, if you want to try to play that BS uh, excuse of saying that maybe black people are, I guess, what, more prone to being criminal in terms of their actions or whatever. How about when it comes to cannabis use? Now, yeah, cannabis may be legal now, but once upon a time, it wasn't legal, which is only a couple of years ago. So people were getting arrested left and right. But a black person was 4.3 times more likely to get arrested for cannabis than a white person is. And the use level when it comes to black and white is pretty much the same. So that's just another example of pretty much showing you that police are targeting black people disproportionately when it comes mm-hmm. to policing in the first place. Yeah. And so, and, and the, is the perception of black faces that is intrinsic in the racial and systemic discrimination of the police force and Ina Chadha. I'm hoping that that's right, but her name is Ina and she's, you know, she's the one that kind of led the report about, um, about this whole situation. She made the point that it's important to note about the public perception that you pointed out, that black people end up in interactions with police at disproportionate rates because of their involvement with guns and gangs. The data, however, finds that most use of force incidents involve unarmed citizens with no criminal record. Right. Few cases, a few of those cases, only a few of those cases involve the gun, but many involve people in a mental health crisis or suffering from addiction issues. So no, it's not a representative of a higher percentage of black youth that are involved in gangs and guns. And nobody's saying that we don't have an issue within our community about that. But 
these statistics are not involved with the, with those with those youth. These yeah. are kids I think the media plays a horrible role in that part in terms of yes. people having that perception of black people. But Nina, let me ask you just because you just know younger black men more so than we do because we're just mm-hmm. older. Um, do you still have your friends just how are you guys in terms of when you're out about whether you're going out to parties or clubs or whatever, you're, especially your black male friends, are they super wary of the police? Have they had a lot of negative interactions with the police? Because I have my own horror stories and I'm sure Solitaire does as well, but mm-hmm. I don't have them as much now that I'm older. It's almost like they can tell I'm an older person. So I don't, yeah. they don't <laughs> seem like, I don't seem like a threat to them anymore, but you're still walking with a younger set of black men that are out there that are more so the targets for these kind of things. So how is it for your friends in their set and how they Um, feel about their safety around police? In terms of going out in public, like, I guess like the places, like the pubs and stuff that we go to, like we don't go to places where there's not black people. Like we're going to places where it's majority a black crowd and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of that comes into play with like, feeling safer around that typical crowd um mm-hmm. because it's your people you know like it's it's all of you versus mm-hmm. like one officer or something you know right. um but in regards to police i we haven't i can't really say we've seen too many uh as of lately and there hasn't really been much of a reaction to that mm-hmm. um i spoke to you guys briefly earlier about a reaction with a normal person who was scared of my boyfriend coming out of a restaurant i'm so glad you didn't confront them because you wouldn't have solved anything there nina but i literally have never been so appalled in my life like she literally grabbed her friend's arm and was truly terrified of my boyfriend coming out of the restaurant with his mask on to follow the bylaws um but that's pretty yeah that's pretty much it like other than that there hasn't really been um too too much and um i just think it's funny how people complain about these uh, gangs and gun violent crimes, but they don't seem, they seem to have so, so, so much of an issue when somebody is getting killed by a gang or whatever, yet they don't seem to care when the police are actually killing. These yep. People, yeah. That's pretty much it. It's always, always yeah. this misplaced anger where you're more angry about storefronts getting smashed about protests than you are about yeah. what started the protests in the first place. Cause that anger should have been there in the first place with George exactly. Floyd or for any number of reasons, whether it's Defonte Miller here in Toronto. Um, the, the problem is with our police as well is that we can see that they do have a bias when it comes to black people and policing. And the more discretion that they have in a situation, the worse it gets in terms of for black people. So when we're talking about um, offenses like failure to comply, that's a big one that gets used a lot against black people or obstruction of justice or this out of sight driving offense. Any of these things where police have more discretion as opposed to it's more black and white to the letter of the law. That's where you see the uptick in police or in terms of black people being over-policed disproportionately. So when we have these statistics again, when you see black lives matter and yeah, it's bad in the States, especially on a violence level, but we still are over-policed as black people in Toronto as well. And this uh, human rights, uh, whatever commission study is just for us. It's really just the sky is blue, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we've been think... saying this, but when we see these stark numbers, it's just harder for people to deny it. When you see these kind of numbers is what I no, wanted not... to say. Well, what <laughs> no, are you, what not... were you going to say? Solitaire? <laughs> no, I was going to say, I mean, you're, you're right. 
for somebody that is has a balanced and logical perspective on things. It's somebody who is open to changing their views once they acquire new information about the subject that they're learning rather than putting on their blinders and saying, you're fake news or you just made that up or that's a conspiracy. I wanted to just kind of like to 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 kind of emphasize this idea of out of sight driving offenses because this is why I think this report is important and should be really kind of used as a flag to further the causes of things like defunding the police. You didn't know about it yourself either. I, this is the first time I've heard of this. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it really kind of explains the bias because a lot of times, and I've heard that people refer to this statistic when officers pull over cars they don't typically know the race of the person that they're pulling over. So how could they be racially biased? But this breaks it down because when you learn about the percentage of black people, uh, the percentage of Toronto's population that are black, and you realize that black people are still four times more likely to be charged with an offense that is at the discretion of the police officer to lay, then you realize that's where the bias is. Yeah, they may not necessarily pull them over because they're black, but they're more likely to, to them, find yeah, something, something to charge them with because they're black. Right. And black people have been saying that, but it's so hard to prove well, because there's a way to lie with the perception. And the numbers from this uh, study also found that one-fifth of the charges that are usually laid are false charges for the most part, mostly yeah. against black people because they're usually overturned. Yeah. So black people are getting charged and you're just getting dragged into the system for something that you didn't do. Yeah. And it's just attacks on everything else for you in terms of your just daily living and your mental health to deal with something that you had nothing to do with in the first place. And that's it. We account for at least one fifth of those cases. But we're out of time and we kind of have to wrap up. But yeah, yeah that, I mean, so that's it. I just wanted to highlight this again. And again, we're coming up on three months now of George Floyd's passing. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of work to do, and I'm still on this defund the police thing because we see stuff like this. Of course. And and you, and it's funny, on the same day that they, they presented this report, Doug Ford just announced $6 million of funding for what? Closed caption TV security systems <laughs> to install to surveil communities affected by violence. Good job, guys. Good job. So... We will always keep an eye and advocate for community justice when we're faced with, you know, systemic racism and people who don't want to acknowledge the real deep-seated uh, issues in policing and in the criminal justice system. So we want to keep an eye on that. We also want to hear from you. What are your thoughts about this report? Uh, did you look at it like all black people and say, hey, and water is wet? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know, like every single black person was like, duh. <laughs> so uh, we want to hear from you. Make sure you reach out to us on our socials at hashtag Vibe105 on Twitter and Instagram. Right now, we obviously got to go and pay some bills. For those of you who are tuned into Vibe105, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Those of you listening to the podcast, stay with us. And now, the motherfucking podcast part, bitch. <laughs> okay. I, what I was going to, I just wanted to kind of okay. quick, I just kind of like, just to kind of continue that discussion, uh, just to kind of show you, as a black person, I can say, I can attest to the fact that I have literally been given a, a warning for speeding by a police officer. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's an experience for, I can say that legitimately, just like 
everybody obviously acknowledges that for the most part, police officers, we believe are generally good people, mean, well-meaning people who have values and morals and not everybody on the police force is a, is a racist pig or whatever. So we acknowledge that. And I, I wanted to kind of just highlight that to say that there is discretion for officers to press charges if they deem that it's worth it or it's important or they're like, they're really engaging in some criminal activity. Like I'll be right you know, back. failure. Yeah, no, like failure to comply or whatever is just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not, it's obviously, and everybody that I know has an experience with a police officer where they use their authority to provoke you, uh, provoke a reaction from you because mm-hmm. they know that as soon as you react, then they have the authority to be like, oh, well, you're resisting your arrest. You're re-, you know what I mean? And and those are what we call, uh, you know, what is so eloquently called microaggressions. Mm-hmm. All these, I guess, these uh, mindfulness and meditation and all these, I don't know, social behavior people are really emphasizing how those kind of things wear on you as an individual when you experience racism. And it's one of those things that I, I've sat with and, you don't really know that it's affecting you until, you know, such Something a causes the last straw on the camel's back. Yeah, man. And, and these microaggressions from police officers, whether you're, it's happening to you directly or you see it happening to other people, like you experience it's like black people experience microaggressions and outright aggressions from police forever. So, seeing this report and having it validated in actual data and statistics that prove what we've been saying, we've been experiencing, there is not only like evidence of truth to it, it's like legitimately backed up by statistics is validating, but at the same time, it's frustrating that it's taken this long to be acknowledged officially. So it's still not acknowledged officially. Well, yes. I mean, acknowledge officially would be implementation in terms of policy. Uh-huh. That's, and and people that, not trying to constantly fight back and, and say, and but, and but, and but. Right, right. Like, especially when they're talking. I, the, the, the part that irritates me is the why don't you guys care about black on black crime? It's like, <laughs> clearly, you're just saying stuff to fucking say stuff because there are countless organizations and people not just black people by the way white people people concerned empathetic people who care about human beings particularly people who are from marginalized communities fight the violence among our youth every fucking day so fuck you if you want to make a comparison for people fighting for black lives matter to say that oh you only care when it's white on black it's like, yeah, no, we only care when it's a fucking oppressive society that is oppressing marginalized people mm-hmm. and not giving them the same rights to justice and equality. Yeah. Right? Those so, people that say that shit don't know a single black person. I promise you that. No, no, or they do and they hide it and or they do and nope. they say they say things like, Oh, you're not like the rest of them or you're 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 like a white black person, so it's okay. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I can't lie, as a kid. Growing up, I've definitely heard that many, many yep. times from uh, from. I'm not going to disparage one group. You were going to say I, your Italian friends. No, you might as well just say it. I grew, experienced it here in Woodbridge. So you grew up among the Italians. Just say it. 
No, but I mean, the thing about it is, I think. You're a nice I, guy, you're solitaire. You're not like those like, other. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not, not like, like those other gumas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not like the rest of it. Like, you guys are cool. Like, you guys are cool. I've definitely heard that. But I mean, I could look back on that even in that experience because I had a good child. Don't get me, like, don't get a twist. I think the, the level of ignorance from kids. It doesn't carry the same weight as a grown-up who has experienced life and has, you know, been in situations where you work with people from different cultures in, a, you know what I mean, in, in different situations. Or maybe you're from an area where you just don't encounter black people. That's true, too. But, um, you know. I wouldn't necessarily say that because I think of it as these kids are being raised by adults who were working with these kind of people and had the experience and have now passed on that experience and their own personal per agenda to their children who are also going to carry that unless they come across somebody who will fight it. Yeah, I, know. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's definitely learned behavior, but when you're learning something without understanding the, the historical context of it, it's kind of just more from a place of ignorance. And I don't think like I've had... I've been called nigger when I was a kid. And it was like straight up. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but it's true. Like, I believe I mean, it. Honestly, I believe and it. I could, I could say it that it was before I even realized the historical context of the world. Like I'm a kid in, yeah. and I'm like one of like three black kids in a predominantly Italian. I'm Portuguese sorry for laughing school. people. I was an immature reaction. <laughs> but me. I mean, like, again, it's like they were saying it. I mean, they were older kids than me, so I still wasn't even aware of it. I, I didn't even really know what it was until one day I came home, and my mom tells this yeah. story to my friends all the time. She's like, yeah, I came home, and I think I went to my sister. I was like, you fucking nigger! <laughs> and my mom was like, what? And lost her mind. Of course. <laughs> and then she, like, you know, and then they all kind of, like, told me, oh, you never said that word. And then, and she gave, and you know, again, I must've been like, like four or five years old. You know what I mean? So ignorance is definitely taught. It's definitely passed down. Yeah. And that says a lot about the families that these, you know, these houses, these households that they were growing up in. But anyway, fuck racism. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> fuck man. All right. We got to get back into the show. So no more cursing. Fuck ass. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. You are locked into Vibe 105's own hashtag, yours truly, Solitaire. We are broadcasting from our respective bunkers. I'm joined by DJ Reddy Fox Hello. and No Better Nina. Humble abode. Uh, humble abode. From bunkers and a, hum a, a princess castle, perhaps. In a basement. A castle in a basement. Underground. <laughs> Nita, you're in a bunker. You're in an Indian bunker in Brampton. That's Wood where you're Bridge. Bridge, whatever. Anyway, we've, be, we've been the racism show for the first half of the show. Let's get into something at least a little more lighthearted, so to speak. Uh, let's get into some music news. I'll throw over to No Better Nina to navigate music this week. Okay, so last week was like kind of sad stuff. This week is more fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What was sad stuff, stuff last week? I can't remember last what was week sad. Honey's breakdown oh. and uh, Tori and Megan. Right. Um, so okay, so well, we're back to Megan. Um, so she's winning. As I off the top of the show, yes, she is. Cardi B and Megan dropped a track called WAP. 
Why do you, Nina? You don't have to say it that aggressively, you know. That's what yeah, the song is called. In, in the song, we do it. It's called "Whap." Yeah, they say real aggressive. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion dropped their new track "Whap" last week, which stands for "bleep bleep bleep." The internet went crazy. You can say "wet." You can say "wet." Wet bleep bleep. The internet went crazy. And then the music video dropped and it went even crazier. Mm-hmm. Um, fans weren't too happy with Kylie Jenner having a cameo in the video, but I guess now we know why Megan was hanging with Kylie in the first place. It makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ruby Rose, Norma- Normani, Mulatto, and a few others also had their own praised cameos as well. The song itself now is pretty descriptive in terms of a woman's sexual desires, but... <laughs> A lot, of people, a lot of people have mixed reviews on how it represents women. So some claim it's degrading and implies all a woman is good for is sex, while others think it's empowering for women to speak as openly as men do on their sexual desires. So just briefly, Christina Aguilera said she liked it. A gynecologist suggested that women watch it to understand that their physical reactions to good sex are not a problem. Uh, Viola Davis uh, also made her own altered version of herself uh, from her character. <laughs> no, she didn't. She, did she make it? I heard somebody. She didn't make it herself. Yeah, maybe someone else made it, but she yeah. tweeted it. And yeah, she, yeah. You know, Cardi approved. Um, also, <clears throat> Blair Amidas Imani, a queer African-American Muslim author, also said um, that as a Muslim, the song slaps. Sex positivity is halal. Carry on. (laughs) Um, But then on the other end, we had people like conservative Republican activist Deanna Lorraine. Oh, Lord. Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion set the entire female gender back by 100 years with this disgusting and vile song. Oh, Lord. And James P. Bradley, a Republican congressional candidate from California, clutched his pearls and tweeted that <laughs> Cardi B and Megan are what happens when children are raised without God and a strong father figure. <laughs> accidentally, accidentally heard the song and it made him want to pour holy water in his ears. I bet you, yeah, no, I'm not going to say anything. That's the, and yeah, okay. Carol Baskin also came in. Who? Carol Baskin? Who? Yeah. She got mad at them for using the big cats in the video. Oh lord. <laughs> this is getting more interesting than I thought. I didn't I didn't think we'd get a Carol Baskin sighting Carol, at all this. Carol came in and was this like, is crazy. Oh, they're using big cats. And then lastly, Ben Shapiro, after quoting it at for a while on his podcast, ended up calling it really, 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 really vulgar. Yeah, um, but if you don't know who Ben Shapiro is, you're living life right. But but yeah. the thing about it is, he's right. It is really vulgar. Is, yeah, but doesn't and, he- and yeah. it's and it's and it's great. <laughs> so Charlemagne was offended. He took to Instagram because he was offended by a line that referred to men who um, eat the booty as bottom feeders. <laughs> remember, this is a family show, Nina. <laughs> is it? It's a it's a it's a grown up show. I use I use um, censored language. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Claims that it creates an environment for those who engage in this act to be bullied. The last thing I want to leave off here that really struck me really good today I saw on Twitter was in sex education at school, we learn about uh, wet dreams, male ejaculation, and male masturbation, but nothing about female pleasure. A lot of men treat sex as something they do to women, not with women. So, yep, actually a song about female pleasure is good. So, I want to know, as men, what do you guys think of the song and video? Uh, let's start with Ready. 
Okay, what's the question? What do you think of the song and the video? Uh, the song is okay. <laughs> the song is. She literally just asked. Because <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I feel like no matter what I say, I'm gonna be wrong per se, but I'm not gonna be wrong because I'm gonna be right. <laughs> so, okay. So because this is how I feel about it. Honestly, I don't. I'm not bothered by it one way or the other. Re- mm-hmm. Really and truthfully, like it, it was really more of a been there, seen this, done this, whatever before. Because we've seen provocative videos from women in the past, whether it was Nicki Minaj or Foxy Brown or Little Kim or whomever. Trina, Trina yeah. like we've we've seen a ton of videos like this already. So this is nothing new to me, per se. Yeah. Uh, it, it was. Yeah, it seems a little more outrageous just because of who it is. And I think they're pushing the envelope just a little more so. But A, the song doesn't. It's not a good song to me. I don't. I don't know if it's a good song per se. Do you like it, Nina? Is it actually a good song? <laughs> Honestly, you know what? the first time I heard it, I was like a little taken aback because I was like, "Whoa!" Like I never like like this isn't something I would bump while going on a walk. You know, like there's a lot of music that I would personally listen to while going on a walk. That a lot of people wouldn't like like dreams and nightmares, Meek Mill dreams and nightmares, for example. That's not a walking song, but like I would listen to it. Mm-hmm. But like this, I was taken aback at first, and then I just kept listening to it, and I was like, "All right, I like it." So mm-hmm. you so you listened to it for a while, and then you liked it. So, but do you like it? Do you like the music? Do you like the beat? Oh, the do you beat, like the, the lyrics? Are they the... spitting lyrics? Or are they spitting bars? The the beat and the sample. Um, the wordplay is clever. The wordplay okay. is clever. Listen. But however, I, I wouldn't say it's like going to be a song that's nominated for a Grammy. Okay, that's fine. Listen, I'm not a fan per se of Megan Thee Stallion or Cardi B or Nicki Nicki Minaj or whatever. My type of hip hop more so. I will listen to a Rhapsody type artist. That's who yeah. I will listen to if you want to just kind of keep it in the vein of hip hop female artists. Even though it's just hip hop is hip hop. This song, I don't think it's good. The video is just meh. It's like, yeah, you're going to see a lot of stuff that I guess are going to be appealing to the male gaze, I guess. But apparently there's no men in the video anyways. Like, it's all just no. all women in there anyways. So I yeah. think we'll talk about that a bit in terms of whatever you're going to get to about how men are reacting to it. But I don't think much of the song and I don't think much of the video. I just think it's just just more of the same. I'm not impressed. Not impressed. Solitaire? How do you feel? Do you think, what do you think of this song in the video? Uh, that's a yes and a yes. <laughs> you. Uh, I, um, listen, we've seen this before. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if we're going to, okay, I'll, you, we're going to get to the backlash, I guess. So let me save my mm. comments on that. But I, um, I like sexually liberated women. I encourage mm. that. My issue is and always has been with this idea of money determining the value of people. And I think hip hop as a whole has a problem with prioritizing and kind of like idolizing money as a, as a determining factor for love and affection and being able to kind of live this like lifestyle if there's any issue I take with it, it's that this idea that you know you don't have enough money to be with me, but at the same time, they have every right to feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's a personal choice. If money is something that is important to you in terms of being in a relationship with somebody, physically or otherwise, that's are you, your are choice. You, are you wrong for calling them a gold digger for that? I mean, that's also your perspective, your perception on it, and I think that there are there are there is a gold digger 
that does that. But I think that a woman who is also successful on her own, who expects somebody to meet her at that level, I don't think that's gold digging. But if you're just like a somebody who fancies yourself to be attractive enough to to attract a man who will pay for everything for you, then yeah, I would definitely feel justified and say you're a gold digger. What do you bring to the table other than your looks? Right. right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's. Uh, but as for the video and the song, uh, to Reddy's point, it's not the, they're not reinventing the wheel, nor do they have to. Not by sex, any stretch. Sex will always sell. And if you are a sexual person and you like that, then there's no harm in enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess kind of off of that, just quickly, would you say the song is um, empowering or degrading? I, I mean, I feel like I already know what your answers are, but uh, so I'll start with you. Me? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like it has any kind of power at all? Even do you feel like it does anything? You said it's think, not new, so I think it empowers Meg and and Cardi mm-hmm. as artists and being and showing that that uh, power for themselves. Empowering for women, that's kind of where it gets a little like okay, now you'd like this is not the song, <laughs> this is not the hill to die on. As an, as, a, as an empowerment anthem for women. These are women who are singing about their love of having sex and making money, nothing more, nothing less. It's not a, an empowering song by any stretch. I think it's, I think it's, it's dope that to see women being as aggressive about what they want from a sexual relationship as men have been able to do Forever. since the beginning of time. Yeah. All right, ready? I don't think it's one or the other, to be honest with you. Like, I saw that you posted this as a question on our Instagram uh, for hashtag, mm-hmm. hashtag Vibe 105 people. You should be following it. But I'm That's just right. saying that um, I, I don't think it's either or because, okay, I know peop- men are um, criticizing this song, saying that it's degrading for women, right? And that's kind Please. of... Right. <sighs> and then, okay, can you give me a <laughs> sec sorry, here, sorry. though, Solitaire? Because the point sorry. being is that... um. I don't think it's one or the other. I really don't. I don't think it's degrading to women because we've seen this before. I don't necessarily see how it's empowering either. But as a man, I can't speak to that. Only women can speak to that to say it's empowering to me or not. But I will say I will look at this video and say, how would you guys feel about an eight-year-old girl watching this video? How would you feel about... Like, I would think anywhere from the age of maybe 11 and under, would you really feel comfortable with a young girl watching this video? Would you really think that that little girl would be empowered by watching this video? That I'm not sure about. And again, (laughs) as a man, I'm not going to say one way or the other, but that's what I think about. But if it's empowering to adult women, like to embrace their power in terms of asserting themselves, then I guess, sure. But again, that's only for women to speak. As a man, I can't really say that one way or the other. But I don't think it's empowering. I don't think it's degrading either. But I do think I, it should come maybe with a warning sign for little girls, perhaps. I and, think. and boys. And boys, too. Like, young people. I guess like, so, young people in yeah, general. But I'm just yeah. thinking about in terms of the empowering, degrading thing when it comes to women right. and the right. dynamic between, you know, adult women and little girls kind of thing. But I don't think a little, like, I think for anything for a little kid, like, obviously, yeah, I don't want a little kid to watch that or, like, hear that and stuff, which I get. But I feel Why? like that's almost- Why don't you with- want them to watch it? Because well, they don't have, they, well, number one, they don't have sex. They haven't had sex yet. They don't even know what it means. They don't want to get them curious into what having right. sex is eight, at eight years old, but right? That's, that's part of it that I'm think that I think it's not cool for a lot of people that are, like, getting hard on guys in terms of some men that will criticize it and say, you know, I think it's a bit much. Some men will say. 
yeah. I don't think there's wrong for men. I don't think it's wrong for some men to say that. I know you're going to say some men will be like they don't like it because they don't have the control over the women and women are embracing their control and all that stuff. And that could be part of it, too. And I'm sure there are a lot of men out there that have that perspective. But sometimes for a man to just simply say, I think that's a bit much. I think they're overdoing it. It's not necessarily coming from a misogynist point of view, more so as literally them looking at it and being like, I wouldn't be comfortable with my nine-year-old daughter watching that. But then I think, like, at the same time, then you also have to not be comfortable with your kids watching. Like, this one article gave an example of, like, Kid Cudi, Common, and Kanye could all rap on on a song about explicitly on how a woman should give uh, proceed with oral sex. Um, so then like at the same time, you shouldn't be okay with the kids watching or listening to that either. You know, like I know for myself personally, like my parents were very like, I don't know. They didn't want me to watch like certain music videos where girls were like scantily clad or like whatever, because I was a young girl at the time. Right. And I was very easily influenced as a kid. Um, so I think at the end of the day, that really doesn't even land on the artist's responsibility. Like you're making music for your fan base, not for little kids. So at the end of the day, they they shouldn't. But Nina, they're some of some kids are part of their fan base. Yeah, but like then that's not the parents' discretion. Like, why are you letting your kids listen to that? Listen, I, I I'm for all artistic uh, creativity, so to speak. Yeah. But at the same time, some something like this has to come. I think with a warning label, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, what my the point I was going to make is like you know, obviously, I think if there's a if there's a nine-year-old, eight-year-old girl who is watching this video unsupervised by an adult who is able to provide some context and explain to them that this is something that's grown consenting adults do in their relationships when they're, when they're older and understand themselves and their bodies and understand the relationship between, you know, two lovers, mm-hmm. um, then that's the problem. I, I, I agree with you in terms of the, the artist's responsibility to be aware of the power that they have over their fan base. And yes, you may be targeting an adult fan with mm-hmm. Cardi B's music, but by, perif- by by exposure to media and social media, younger people are going to have access to your music. So you have to be cognizant of that. You have to be aware of that. But that shouldn't mean that you should have to censor yourself. What it means is that there needs to be, a, like you said, Reddy Fox, a warning placed on it in terms of not being not not being suitable for children. But also, it is about parenting. To uh, parents should not be having their child watch this video unsupervised. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And and Nina brought up a very good point too. I think that you're right, Reddy Fox, when you say that are men entitled to have an opinion on it? I'm not. I'm not in the part of this cult. This. Uh, you know, people who feel like, you know, people can't say something that I disagree with or have an opposing opinion. I think it's a valid opinion for a man who never grew up uh, listening to misogynistic music and they had those values from the beginning to look at this now and say, listen, my values, this is not in line with my values. It's never been. But I think the problem from the reaction is, it's like a lot of these guys, you're talking about athletes, you're talking about other hip hop artists who are who are saying that this is disgusting and they're setting a bad example. And I say to those people, if you've ever danced, grinded on a woman, these men, if you've ever grinded on a woman in a club to a Lil' Kib song, a Foxy Brown song, a Trina song, a Kia song, or any of these artists, then stop the noise. This is just not for you. Now you now that you've matured and now you've You've had a change of perspective. Like that's not to say that 
Cardi B and Megan aren't entitled to have their sexual liberation moment. They're young. They're at the peak of their careers. And you want to talk about, like, first of all, sexual liberation and sexual equality means that they should be able to say what they want in their music. And it's, it, there's a double standard in terms of the way it's perceived when, like, look at the, look at the, what the, look at Something. what guys say in the music all the time. Can I just interject there though? Because yeah, no, I, yeah, cause I, cause I wanted Sorry. to bring, uh, for you're saying that, um, for these guys, like, I don't necessarily think I agree with this just because somebody maybe indulged in stuff that was misogynistic once upon a time, because I think we're all guilty of that for hip hop, especially considering that if you're older enough, if you're old, as old as we are, then you pretty much have been listening to hip hop from the beginning, right? So mm-hmm. you've kind of have to also grow in terms of the way you think, think and things and what's acceptable from what's not. Mm-hmm. And I go back to even the example, like the Dr. Dre video where they pulled the girls top off at the, like they were playing volleyball. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was a joke then, but now obviously it looks horrendous to us now to see that. Yeah. So I don't like the idea of just saying, well, if you ever bounce to a Kia video or if you ever bounce to this, you're being a hypocrite now. Like, no. We all did that kind of stuff in terms of there were things that were problematic in hip hop that we were kind of okay with once upon a time, but we have a better perspective now. So because you have a better perspective now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have an opinion on something like this just because you enjoyed something. That's but that's what you're saying is like, no, if you ever, I mean, uh, sorry, like, no, finish, finish that last sentence. But that's 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 the point that I'm making is that, yes, you might have enjoyed something back in the day like an Akineli song, which we all know which song I'm talking about. He only had one song <laughs> that we all know he had, of. He had, he had a few other. He like, had a few other songs, but there's but... only one song that you think right, of yeah, when yeah. you say Akineli. Right. So, you know, we all thought that was a hit song. There was stuff like Pigeons and stuff like that that came out. The point being is that you might have enjoyed that once upon a time, but if we've learned and gotten better now, especially since the Me Too movement, I don't think it's cool to just dismiss someone and saying, now they, they look at this um, Cardi B making the Stallion video and say, you know what? I don't think that's cool. You can't but, just dismiss them because they like something that might have been misogynistic back in the day. But see, here's why I disagree with you. And Nina, we'll, we'll move on. This will be my final. Yeah. I think we have to differentiate between problematic misogynistic lyrics and behaviors versus a woman saying, this is how I enjoy having sex and this is what I want from a man. That's mm-hmm. not problematic behavior. Problematic behavior is a bunch of dudes on a video set with video girls taking their bra off and like swiping a credit card between a woman's, you know, butt cheeks. That's problematic behavior. That's misogynistic. But this is yeah. what we're talking about here. The people that the, 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 what men find problematic with this video, it's not a problem. This is, that's why I think that like, I wouldn't necessarily say like it's a, it's empowering, but it's it's liberating for women to be able to be just as sexually uh, aggressive as men. And I'm not fine with it. I'm here for it. Listen, and again, yeah, exactly. I'm not I'm not exactly. actually bothered by the video one way or the other. I was really well, that's just, what I mean. That's so it's not problematic. Oh no, but not problem. I'm not saying problematic, but what you're saying is that if you ever liked a Kia video or if you ever liked yeah. a a, a thing video, because, then you shouldn't they, be criticizing this video now and i'm like well what if someone did like those videos once upon a time but they've learned more and they've they've grown or whatever what are you gonna say nina fine if you fine if you grew fine but if you grew (laughs) like if you grew though like you really grew like you don't listen to like like future or or these other rappers who are still explicitly talking about what they do to women to get sexual pleasure then 
fine. I can deal with it. But if you're saying, yeah, you grew, but you're still listening to them, then you're just being a hypocrite. I know you ready. Don't listen to them. So like, I know what you're saying, like you actually mean it. But these um, other guys that are talking about, they're probably still listening to a lot of other more problematic music. And that's why I'm saying they're hypocrites. Bro. Right. Okay. Those, those guys that are still listening to, to the yeah, misogynistic yeah. stuff to this day. Problem, but yeah. you're still, okay. still going to go back and listen to all the other problematic dudes who are still saying more damaging things towards women. Okay. Cut that, yeah. cut that I don't have a problem with this video one way or the other. I, sure, it's in, enjoyable to look at from a from a young man's healthy blood. Yes, it y- is. Young man perspective. Watched, yes, it is. I watched it again as but research for research purposes. I watched it again for the musically. Show. I don't think it's anything. I don't even know if Megan The Stallion or Cardi B are actually really good lyrically or not per se. But again. <laughs> I don't know. Just either or. It's I'm really just a meh about well, it. Well, either way, if you haven't seen it, go check out WAP. If I you think don't everyone know, has. Answer, Google it. And you know what? You're right. You're right. I, you're right, Nina. I will check it out again. You're gonna check it out again, Solitaire. You're gonna watch it again. <laughs> I I'll probably watch it again. I'll probably watch it a few times. Anyways, so we don't have that much time left, but this is a good topic since we don't have that much time left. Um, in case you guys didn't know, this has kind of like been going under the radar a little bit, but Drake is beefing with Movado. What? I have been hearing about this. <laughs> what? Yeah, and I'm not. <laughs> it's like kind of crazy. Yeah. So, Drake and Movado. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a real it's a it's a thing. You're exactly. this is a real legit thing you're saying to me right now. Drake it's, and Movado are are beefing yeah, right now. It's, it's in the middle of happening. Yeah. It's happening. So Drake released the Heady Freestyle um, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, and fans were quick to notice his diss to Movado when he says, with Pop Skull in Gaza, but not that Gaza, but still it's a Maza. Blanks want peace like cassava, but we let Bridgedem burn like Graba. So those lyrics actually reference the Gully versus Gaza feud when Vibes Cartel and Movado had beef over a bunch of topics, including politics. Drake not only resurfaced those old wounds, but made reference to Popcon, who everyone knows Movado has beef with. Movado and Drake do have a history, though, with Movado appearing in Drake's music video for Find Your Love in 2010. So Movado obviously responded to Drake releasing the, and released the track Enemy Line, accusing Drake of appropriating dancehall culture, being a wannabe Jamaican, and faking a tough guy <laughs> attitude. <laughs> oh, wait. So we, I can't believe that Drake has started a new beef yeah, with somebody. Yeah, yeah. So Movado posted a clip of the track to IG with the caption, um, basically saying, like, you're not from dancehall and it's not your playground and stuff. You don't have power to dance hall and all of this and don't do it again. Um, so last Friday, Drake acknowledged Movado's diss on Popcon's Instagram live, leaving a comment in the comment section that said, some boy love chat about yod men and some next blank and all now them can't catch up to the 876 God. Go hold a one seat and a box juice and hush your mouth. OVO unruly. Drake said that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure that Drake said that? Yes, he did. It's in the comments on Popcon. And you're sure he Forty didn't it? write it for him? He I don't know who wrote it for him. I definitely did not write it, as you could tell by my <laughs> non-Jamaican accent. Uh, <laughs> many people are unsure as to why Drake started this, but here's what fans are speculating. First of all, Drake has played both sides for years, having a good friendship with both Popcon and Movado after claiming to understand their beef. Drake's relationship with DJ Khaled would bring him around Movado, who fans are also awaiting a response from, considering Movado has been signed to We The Best Music since 2012, and Khaled just released two tracks with him, with Drake. 
So lastly, there's also speculation about Drake donating 25000 to Movado and his community back home to build a learning center, but it was never built. There's no public knowledge as to where the money has gone now, but even after donating, Drake continued to speak highly of Movado all the way up until 2016 on the track 9 from his album Views. So, quickly, Drake is popular for diss tracks, but do you think this is a beef Drake can even take on? Solitaire. Uh, I don't, I don't want this to happen. <laughs> I'm you upset by the whole. This to happen. This is. Listen, as and I, I never I thought you would this, go anywhere near a beef again. I qualify this. <laughs> I'm gonna be vegetarian. Me, I qualify this statement by saying that I am a diehard Drake fan. Of of what he does, and my biggest issue with him right now as an artist is this gangster lifestyle that he's slipping into the music that is very I find to be very problematic. Even in that freestyle where he's talking about holding the gun steady yeah. and promoting this type of behavior, that detracts from my appreciation of Drake because at this moment he's a he's a grown man now. He is a He's an icon. He's He's the number one artist in the world. And you have now you you have a higher calling at this point. You have a higher calling to take the high road. I'm not saying that you can't get mad or you can't let people know that you gotta, you know, that you're you you're not to be messed with. I understand that from a male pride perspective, but the behaviors that you're engaging in are problematic and and youth are looking at him closely. And that's why I don't even want to like give attention to this well okay i know we have to wrap up so ready i want to ask you one question um since you're the jamaican here is drake (laughs) appropriating dance hall culture do you see it as more of an infusion of culture just quickly a little bit appropriating i would say a bit but uh Hmm. still he grew up in toronto so it's a big influence in toronto as well but i don't really care about that either or but i do want to see more of this beef uh, (laughs) flourish and grow i'm here for this so All right. I will well, definitely pay attention to this. But Nina, you pay attention for for me. Yeah. And then you. bring it on the radio show, please. Yeah. I got you guys. All right. I'll keep <laughs> you guys posted on that. And that is all for music news this week. All right. And we got to go for we have to go for a quick commercial break. For those of y'all who are tuned into Vibe 105, stay tuned. For those of y'all with the podcast, stay with us. Hey, you yeah. know what? I actually have a, a random story about Movado. Of all artists, I have a story about Movado. Wow. So this will happen. Please tell us. So the first, it was actually the first day or the first night when I met my boyfriend, actually. We went to go eat at a Chinese restaurant. And it was like... Was that the restaurant eight. that got shut down a couple of days after you guys were there? No. Oh, okay. A restaurant got shut down after I was there? You said something about you were eating at a restaurant and Movado was playing, like, talking jokes with you or something, but then the restaurant got shut down a couple of days after. Did it get shut down? I don't remember that part. Okay. But there was, yeah, so I went to this Chinese restaurant called Hong, oh, no, it's not a Hongqing, New Ho, downtown. Oh, yeah. New Ho. <laughs> yeah. Not an old Ho. No, oh, I don't know. Ho. I went to New Ho at the time, too. <laughs> and you were your boyfriend's. You ho. <laughs> so anyways, oh we're at like two in the morning, and we're sitting there, and he's like, yo, that's Movado behind us. I'm like, 
okay and he's like i'm like are you sure he's like yeah yeah look at all them they all have the gully the gully chains and whatever and i'm like okay and then he walks around my boyfriend goes yo are you movado he's like yeah man he's like cool and then that's it <laughs> but the most random thing like at a chinese restaurant at two in the morning like it was super random but... that's hilarious okay that's i'm gonna run to the bathroom for a sec while you guys talk about drake um starting a brand new beef and i can't believe it and i, and I really mean this he should be a vegetarian straight goods <laughs> he should never go near beef ever again for as long as he lives and i was just thinking about this today real quick before i run off to go to the bathroom yeah i was like would he have made peace with Meek Mill if he had beat Pusha? <laughs> I, I don't wonder. know. I wonder because he seemed like he became this new peaceful guy and he was just making friends all over the place Meek and Mill, Chris, Chris Brown. Brown. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing. That was Corey like, Rains, I feel like he got humbled a bit by Pusha giving him such a body blow in the worst way possible. It was one of the most harsh body blows in hip hop <laughs> that we've ever seen. Sorry, yep. not sorry, Drake. It goes down in history as one of the worst diss tracks anybody's ever heard. <laughs> and yeah. I no, I just man. wonder if that hadn't have happened, if he would still be like on this peaceful thing. And that's why I'm so surprised to hear him having beef now with Movado. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I never thought he'd go anywhere near beef ever again. Because he, oh my God, what a public lashing he took. <laughs> <laughs> what a public lashing Pusha gave him, man. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, now that you, you put it like that, I know you're going to the bathroom, but now that you put it like that, I never really thought of it that way about him, like having after the push of stuff is when he made up with everyone. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so disappointed, man. But the thing is, again, like I obviously I recognize that there's things behind the scenes that we'll never be privy to that might be, you know, he might feel justified in responding this way, but. I'm just I'm I'm so frustrated at this point, especially when you when you have an understanding of the impact his the lifestyle that he's kind of you know engaging in mm-hmm. promoting through his music. It's it it distills down to the street level and becomes so problematic in terms of what these kids aspire to, even whether or not it's just through their music or as an overall lifestyle because a lot of these kids are coming from these communities and these neighborhoods that are impacted by, you know, gang violence and drug culture and all that kind of stuff. So I I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It's, uh, you know, it's dangerous, you know, territory that he's treading onto. And I hope that, you know, with Khaled being (laughs) a friend to the both of them that perhaps cooler heads will you know will prevail behind the scenes and there's i'm i'm and i'm almost sure that there's conversations happening behind the scenes right now because as we all know uh dance hall artists and not only the artists themselves but particularly their entourages are typically you know not to be fucked with like yeah exactly it will will really get popping and ultimately the problem is it's the people that are around these guys that will suffer the, the real extent of the consequences. And that's what yeah. I think is the biggest tragedy. Yeah, I think this is a stupid move. but um, On whose uh, part? Drake's part? Yep, but uh, let's see what happens, I guess. But it's a good look for PopCon probably, right? Yeah, for sure. And, it came just in time for PopCon's album, which dropped last week. I mean, in what way, though? What, just for publicity? Yeah, I guess so. 
uh, you know, like in in this age, in this day and age, I know they always say there's no such bad, there's no such thing as bad publicity, but there's a negative energy that maybe it's uh maybe it's the wisdom of my age and experience that if I, I would rather forego the opportunity to get some kind of press if it's something that is brought about by negative means or having. Yeah, to, but these like, again, these are younger guys of, thinking. They're not gonna think like you're. In, Drake you're is an not old a younger guy. guy, bro. Drake is not a younger. Neither is Coldplay for that matter. Yeah, but sometimes you you don't grow maturity wise, especially once you've gotten that money and you've had these yes people around you and. You've had your life a particular way that doesn't force you to grow in any other ways as you get you older. About Drake? Yeah, of course. I mean, unless he's unless he's uh... he's lived a pretty privileged life most of his life already, so the adversity growth thing isn't really there for him in a lot of ways, right? So yeah, true. He he mm. could still be the maturity of a twenty-three year old, really, when it's all said and done. To be honest with you, yeah, well, he hasn't had he hasn't had the 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 poverty adversity. He hasn't had the, you know, the full on black experience adversity. Like, <laughs> like, honestly, he hasn't he's like, I'm not saying he hasn't had hardship. I'm just saying that all that stuff forces you to grow up and mature that in a way that maybe he hasn't had to. And now that he's yeah. a superstar, multimillionaire guy, what really is forcing you to grow as a person? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I you're, it, in terms of some of the things that he's saying in his music, I would definitely see it to be a regression <laughs> rather than a I don't know. I'm not listening to his music way. anymore. I'm done with his music now. I, Scorpion was the last straw for me. Well, Scorp- I know. I mean, Scorpion's I saw, the last straw. Well, he's dropping something at midnight tonight, so. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. Yeah, I know, man. Listen. Uh, that, Drake... you know, that means it's probably going to be a diss track of some sort. Of some okay. sort. Maybe. And there's an album coming too before end of the summer, he said, so. Yeah, no. Okay. Listen, man. I'm going to say it again. I like some of his songs. I'm not a Drake fan per se. I'm happy for what he did for Toronto and Canada. But I, I, I never hanker or have the burning desire to sit down and listen to a Drake album. Never. 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 Not like I listen to Forest Hills or I listen to Dam or Good Kid Mad City or 444 even or any of Jay's albums or any of Cole's albums or any of Kendrick's albums. Like, There's no Drake album for me that I'm like... Yo, I would really love to just sit down and take this in from beginning to end. None. So I'm not a Drake fan. It's That's not fair. hating. No, that because it's never hating. We don't we don't talk about hating nonsense here. We all have valid opinions based on our experience and actually our our understanding of a, bo- a broad body of music. You're you're not somebody who would be considered to be hating. You, you have a depth of knowledge about music. Yeah, that the, that goes beyond that. And, I'm, and you, just you saying that he's regressed in his music, I'm not surprised to hear that. I'm not. Not in his not as not in his music. I'm talking about content wise. Yeah, but it, it, specifically when it comes to that kind of stuff, like yeah, the gun lyrics and, stuff like that. and all that stuff. But, but there's other stuff that's like you know, for for somebody who has expressed a, a desire to be a pop star. He he makes he makes great pop music. That is undeniable fact. Of course, that I'm never gonna deny that. And once again, no, I know I, I'm not saying that to you, but I'm not saying that as a retort. To once you, in a just, while, he comes out with a song, and it's just like God's plan was amazing. Yeah, yeah. God's plan is an amazing song. Like zero to hundred is his best song to me. It's mm. his it's his one of his best songs, if not. And um, too much is my favorite Drake song out of all of his songs. Too much is like amazing, but again. 
I can't listen to a full Drake album from beginning to end because there's so much stuff on it that's not for me. It's for a whole other demographic. Anyways, we gotta go. It's for, we're over. We're way over radio time. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned into hashtag. We are in the final stretch. Yours truly, solitaire DJ Ready Fox. No better, Nina. We are in the final stretch of the yes, show. Finally. Before we get into this uh, no better take from Nina, we have started a new segment here on Hashtag. We are calling it Black Lights. Hashtag Black Lights, our weekly spotlight on Black-owned businesses. What we encourage our listeners to do is if you have come across a Black-owned business in whatever uh, industry they are in, whether it's you know the food industry or design or in, you know, landscaping, whatever it is, we want to shine a light on, on Black businesses doing great things in their industry. And today's Black Light Spotlight is being shone on Lighted Up Candles, Body and Spa. It was formed as uh, candles and body products and spa products company in 2010 by Valerie Augustine. She's the daughter of uh, the Honorable Jean Augustine, the first black woman elected to federal politics. Um, it is uh, products that are sold in over 40 stores across Canada and the USA, shipped out to the USA, the United Kingdom, and in the Caribbean. She actually designs and makes her own candles and body products uh, for retail and wholesale clients. They create corporate gift baskets, custom centerpieces for weddings and events. And in addition to all of that, she also facilitates work facilitates workshops for candle making, soap making, and skincare making programs at the Jean Augustine Center for Young Women's Empowerment, which is powered by PACT in South Etobicoke. I have to make sure that uh, they still are because there's actually a lot going on with funding, but the Jean Augustine Center for Women is in Etobicoke. Uh, the website to check out and order their products is lovelightedup.com, and that's light spelled L-I-T-E. So that's lovelightedup.com. That is our Black Light Black Business of the Week. Yay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is on to No Better Take. And what foolishness are we endeavoring to talk about today in today's No Better Take, Nina? Okay, so uh, last week we talked about the whole marriage thing. So I thought this kind of uh, spoke to that because Andrew was speaking about ask a girl or ask a wife if she ever wants to give up her ring and go back to a girlfriend. Big shouts to uh, Andrea Bain, by the way. Yes, so I thought this was interesting. So, um, so this man said, my girlfriend of six months has been out of work for the past two weeks and she just got word that she'll be laid off permanently. She asked me if she could move in with me. I told her that I'm not ready to share my home with anyone. She offered to pay half the bills. I declined. She then proceeded to ask me if I could pay her rent for the next month. I told her, I told her, I told her that I'm uncomfortable doing things that a husband should do for my girlfriend, but I told her that she could borrow $300. She says that I'm wrong for not helping her out during her time of need, but that isn't the case in my perspective. She says that she isn't sure that she'll continue dating me. Am I in the wrong here, or is this just another case of a woman feeling entitled? <laughs> so how long were they dating again before? Six um... months. Six months of dating. Oh, okay. That's right in the sweet spot. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Well, if you were in the situation, Reddy, we'll start with you. Okay. So, so, so.
so six months after they were dating, she got laid off from her job. Uh, yeah, she's been out of work. So yeah, six months, girlfriend of six months, laid off for two weeks. Okay, two weeks. So <laughs> she's only been laid off for or two out weeks. Of her, no, she was out of work for two weeks, the past two weeks, and got word that she will be laid off. Right, okay. She's pretty much already, yeah, basically been laid off for two weeks. All right, that's hard because six months, you guys have been dating for a little while now, or I've been dating you, I guess it's supposed to be me in this situation. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, I already know what you're going to say. Yeah, no, I've, I think uh, we're going to break up. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know here because do I love her? Do I know? Is six months, do I already know if I love her or not? Like, I don't know. Well, like, you obviously, I don't know, the way I see it, when you're in a relationship with someone, you don't date someone with intentions of breaking up. Like, your intentions are for this to continue into That's the right. future. That's right. That's true. So... <laughs> Man, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I would encourage her to. I would try to help her until she can find other work. I guess you would not sell it there. Listen to me. This man was dating this woman for a whole pandemic's worth of time. Six months. Don't sit there and tell me if you're dating somebody exclusively now that's the key factor because he said it's his girlfriend. So yeah. clearly, yeah. by virtue of him saying that. He doesn't want to move in and he doesn't want he's not ready to share his space means that he was clearly dating more than one person, which means that it's probably a burden on his. Hold on a sec. Hold like, on a sec. Can I just say for a second, six months is too early to move in with each other, is it not? That, you, did you could you let me finish my point? OK, I did not say anything about the moving in part. I'm just saying about his intentions with this girl in terms of a relationship. You can't say that you're dating somebody for six months and they come to you and ask like you're down on your luck and you find it to be you know that you lending her money to help pay her rent uh is doing husband's job or work this is a person who needs help like if you're if you're in a relationship whether or not it's exclusive or not you clearly care about this person beyond just having sex and I mean, or or maybe he's just a, a psychopath who is just Hold he really is on. only he's only just physically having sex with this girl. But then why call it dating and no, call no, her your girlfriend no. for six months? Hold on well, a sec. Can I just say something? Just yeah. because that's a big deal to pay someone's rent for them, right? That's not yeah, just a, I, that's not a small thing. I didn't say that it was. No, I but see, you're but I you're see. saying that if he's not willing to do that for them, like maybe this is just a sexual relationship for the guy. Like that's that's a bit. No, because this is what I see. Like, I can see both. Like, I can see both of you in the situation, and I can see how I would handle the situation. <laughs> I only say that because I know you guys. Like, and I know that, like, whatever. Like, I know with with ready. Like, first of all, like you don't necessarily like trust that easily. You know what I mean? Like, nope. your your guard is there, and that that makes sense. Like, that's why your answer makes sense to me. And I know it's solitaire. And hate to go back to the Scorpio thing. (laughs) That's where I come from as well. It's like, I, so this is what I think. I think when I'm in a relationship with somebody, like I said, I'm in a relationship with them, not thinking if we're going to break up, but I'm assuming that this is going to go on for the future. Um, And so with that in mind, I assume like at some point, yeah, this does suck because when you think like this, you can be taken advantage of, which does suck. And which is where I'm like, you know, ready smart for handling things the way he does. But in my case, personally, I know I, I personally would be willing to help them if I had the financial means and knew I could. 
Um, I know for a fact I would do that just because I'm like, I'm helping you when you're down and out. Um, when I care about people, I'm like, really like care about them. How I'll long would you help them for though? Like how long before? Oh, not, not long. I would, I would put it, this is where you got to put in the boundaries. So you tell them like, you have one month's worth of rent. That's a month for you to find a job and get a month for, get a, get a job for the next month. Two months is what I'll do max, but that's it. Okay. That, see, uh, that, that's the thing. You got to set some boundaries and I would ask solitaire the same thing now. Like, now, it, okay. now listen, of course, when I'm, what I'm saying to you about paying the rent, it's obviously if you have the means to do mm-hmm. it. If you ain't got it, you ain't got it. Like, I'm not <laughs> saying that he should go out and go get out a side hustle yeah, to yeah, help no. her pay her rent. But if you're in a situation where you can afford to help her and you choose not to because she's not your wife and <laughs> you're not ready to move in with somebody, like, listen, I would even say if I don't have it to lend her money, I would say, listen, I'm not ready to necessarily move in I'll help you out, but it's with the understanding that I'm helping you out. Like, and maybe we do live together and maybe it does work out, but I would set the expectation. Like, this is my way of helping you in your situation. Mm -hmm. I'm not prepared to officially move in with you. And I want you to understand that this is not what this is. You know what I'm saying? And set those boundaries to your point. And I'm somebody, if I articulate that clearly, I'm not also not going to feel guilty if after two months I say, uh, okay, this is, you, you got to find a job or we got to kind of figure this out and be assertive about it. But this guy's, this guy's ridiculous. He's yeah. ridiculous. He, he's, he's not, in, he's clearly not in a relationship the same way For the that, he's, yeah. that he's describing. Yeah. So in regards to this responses, so one person said he won't help her when she's down, sis run. Uh, <laughs> another person said, he said he can't do what husbands do. Well, are you sleeping with her? She shouldn't move in with him at all. She should go back home and get rid of that so-called relationship. Spend time with your family. Um, someone else said he's not cold-hearted because if the situation was reversed, dot, dot, dot. Um, while another person said six months is a little early to be asking for anything. If he offers, then of course ac- accept it. She must not be the one. That's why he's not willing to share anything, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one said each to their own. I'm two years and counting less than a month in. He asked me to move out of my home and I did guess I'm a bum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, basically uh, the last person said he doesn't have to help. But my thing is men always want a female who would help them out and uplift them, especially in times like these. This here is just proving that men will not do it for a woman. She would have let him move in if it was her. I mean, we don't necessarily know that, but thank you. I was just going to say, come on. That's a big generalization right there. That's bias based on that person's personal experience. Obviously we can hear that, but um, yeah. So that's kind of uh that on that that all depends on the nature of the relationship man if they were like in it to win it six months in like but like aren't you always in it to win it don't you always get in it thinking you're going to win it no but see this situation could have happened two months into the relationship and that would be way too early for her to be asking for any sort of financial help from someone that she's literally just started dating but okay let's say this let's say this because with today's day and age i okay so i know uh people two people who have been talking in the talking stage not dating in the talking stage for a year now okay mm-hmm. one year not dating so let's say they start dating tomorrow and now six months into their official exclusiveness but technically a year and six months of getting to know each other 
she's asking for help then what i guess so i don't know again it all depends on the relationship and how they feel about each other but again it all depends but that that's a little different that's a year and a half of yeah because i always think like i when i heard the six month thing i always think about well what about all the time prior you spent getting to know that person like you know prior to being exclusive like you obviously built enough of a good rapport it's not always that way Sometimes people meet right off the bat and they start dating immediately. It's not a question. It's not always the case of you get to know each other over the course of a little while and then you start dating. Sometimes you literally meet each other, exchange numbers, go on a first date and a relationship starts from there. And that's what I mean. Like, that's why I was going to say this whole idea of what is the right amount of time for for landmarks in the relationship. Like, I know people who who met online like met each other in person after like a couple of months and they moved in and they're super happy. And there's people who have been like dating, living together for years and then they break up. Like it's really about the connection that you have and how deep it is. Is it just surface? Is it like, Oh, I love the way she looks in that tank top and she's really hot. Like if you're talking about a girl, like she's really hot and Mm -hmm. that's all your descriptions of your being in the relationship with her have to do with like a physical or like a superficial, um, you know, perspective of your relationship, then it's probably not a meaningful relationship that you're in. But if you're like, you know, you have the same values and you have the same interests and you live together and you get along and and all this kind of stuff, it's the t- it's the it's the quality of the time that you spend together that really determines how soon or you're ready to to enter into committed relationships. So. But the six months that this guy's talking about, this guy's a fool. And and for him to go, I tweet this out and talk about her being entitled, she lost her job, bro. She's asking for, for help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're ridiculous. That's exactly. ridiculous. Well, so anyways, next week we will be discussing an interesting chronicle of uh, who sits in the front seat. So stay tuned. <laughs> who for... sits in the front seat? That ought to be good. Yeah, so stay tuned next week for a No Better Take. And that's all for this week. All right. Well, well, that was that's that's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah, that was an interesting no better take. Uh, that I think that guy's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, 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 you know what? And the thing is, stand in your stand in your decision, bro. Don't look for validation. All he's looking yeah, for I, is guys on the, online to make him feel like he made yeah, the right choice. Exactly. But I'll be the first one to say, yeah, you did. You didn't. You, you just keep that to yourself, and be cheap and stingy. Well, no, I should not. Not I take that back. I don't know if you're being cheaper stingy. If you can't, you ain't got it. You ain't got it. But don't look for justification by calling her yeah, entitled. That's exactly. Wrong. All right, now, ladies and gentlemen, our final, final segment. Uh, we made it. It's always an epic situation recording these episodes. And now let's get into a little bit of COVID fun, where we talk about. I mean, we are in phase three, so it's not as much of a lockdown situation where you can't go anywhere and do anything. I don't so, understand what phase three means. Phase three means that, Everything's for example, open. you can go in, you can dine inside restaurants now. You don't I just did have, that. And, but it's like they, they still have to have like quote unquote social physical distancing, distancing right. social yeah. distancing protocols. Um, what about I'm movie theaters? Com- Movie yeah. theaters are open now too. Gyms are open now too, but okay. the, it's uh, like all the the protocols of physical distancing are in place. So it's interesting to see what people are doing to you know to go into these places. Have you guys gone? And you, Nina, you said you went to eat in a restaurant. What yeah. was that like? So I actually so 
I actually did that the day after they opened stage three because um, <laughs> I initially, well, I initially had, the, it was my boyfriend's birthday and I initially had the patio booked, but like, I like overheat very easily and like I sweat <laughs> very easily and like eating hot food on a patio is not good for me because I just get overly hot. Then I think about being hot. I sweat even more. It's just a mess. So once I found a week move inside, I'm like, cool, let's move it inside. So we went to Harbor 60. We dined inside. Um, obviously, Harbor 60 is, like, huge. Harbor 60? Woo, shishi, poo-poo. I mean, it was a birthday, so, like, you Okay, know. fair. Okay. Yeah, it's not that an everyday definitely thing. definitely a birthday around. restaurant. Yeah, 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 birthday. Not mm-hmm. relax. It's not an everyday thing. <laughs> um, so I went to Harbor 60, and, um, and they were very, like, good in terms of their social distancing like we're a couple tables apart and there's so many different dining rooms within there um you just you they were very adamant on you wearing your mask as you're walking through the actual restaurant um but yeah other than that it was pretty like normal um but it was kind of nice because even though you're in a restaurant with people you still had your kind of like i guess privacy because of the social distancing which was cool Mm -hmm. um but yeah i did that i'll get to what i did on the next round after Another thing that I did. All right. Already have you. Well, you, you don't even know it's phase three. So <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't gone anywhere or done anything. But so nope. what have you been doing in these in these most recent weeks of uh, of the of the pandemic? Nothing, really. Just watching in Raptors, baby. <laughs> Raptors, <laughs> Raptors, baby. Well, maybe touch on that. Are you like, are you happy that sports are back? Are they providing like a necessary kind of distraction from you know this 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 new normal yes definitely um it's been a distraction it's been nice to have back my father's been super happy to have sports back again because he was really going bored um being at home but i like especially what the nba has done in terms of keeping awareness on black lives matter so even though the games are back they've given the players the freedom to wear messages on the back of their jerseys they obviously have Black Lives Matter written in bold lettering on the on court itself. All the courts. Yeah, yep. so so you can see, you know, it's always there. It's always present. So I appreciate the NBA for doing that. I don't think it's as present as it is in, like, the NHL or you know, Major you know League Baseball. But Wait, hold at on, least... wait a second. Are you saying in the NHL they haven't, like, put Black Lives Matter in Under the ice? ice? Written they on haven't the done ice? that yet? No, they it's haven't. I haven't Stanley seen it. Cup. It only says Stanley Cup. That's all they care about. But at least we've seen NHL players kneeling. We've seen a lot of baseball players kneeling as well. So I'm happy for that. So as long as the conversation doesn't change off of Black Lives Matter, I think it's appreciative for people to have the distraction for sports. And again, nice. Raptors repeating, going back to back. I'm saying that right now. Well, they've they, they've looked you, fantastic. Do you think they're going to put it? They're going to try to put an asterisk on because of, because of the way the season happened. They yeah, can't I'm okay with it. What? What's the first asterisk? The first asterisk is oh, there was too many injuries with Golden State. We just got. Oh yeah, no, that's that's not a true asterisk because we've seen a lot of championship teams that have come out of it. Golden State, for example, beat LeBron for their first championship after Kyrie Irving was injured and Kevin Love was injured, and and LeBron was literally playing a one man team. So we've seen that already in terms of injuries. That's part of life. The asterisk, the only asterisk championship I'll say is the shortened season. With the San Antonio Spurs when they won it. I think right. they, there was only like 50 games that played that season. But this season might have an asterisk because of the whole pandemic thing. Yeah. But I'm fine with the Raptors having that asterisk, baby. I'm okay <laughs> with it. Let us have that asterisk. As long as we have another championship to go with it this year. And we're yeah. going to shut up a lot of people. 
a lot of people that wrote them off before the season started just because Kawhi left. They didn't watch the Raptors. They didn't know anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I listen, I, I, I agree. I think that – and I can't remember there were when they were announcing how they were going to do the NBA return to, to playing games. I know a few of the players really spoke out because they were concerned that – Kyrie Irving was one of them, to, yeah was returning to sports would distract from the cause. And I, you know, shouts out to Chris Paul, man. He's, he's the, uh, he's he the leader of the, uh, the NBA players. Yeah. Union. President of the NBA president players association. Yeah. Players association. And the fact that they negotiated the terms that they did by allowing players to express their, you know, support for these, these causes and all the, on all the quotes that they were allowed to put on the, on their shirts. They and, put anything. Yeah, you know, I, I I commend them for making sure that the the issues were front and center, with, along with the return to sports. So that definitely makes you feel a lot more comfortable watching the games, knowing that they're not trying. It's not a distraction from the issues, but it is more like a stress relief mm-hmm. from the everyday <laughs> dealing with all of the all everything that the pandemic has brought with it, right? Yeah, but um. So have you now a part of this phase three opening um, is, you know, we won't even, we obviously we touched on the whole school thing, but uh, gyms, gyms have reopened. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Nina's so happy. I'm not ready. I I, I don't know about you, Nina. I'm not ready to go back to the gym. I I want to, I need to, but mm, I don't know. So what I did was, because we, in Vaughn, we were part of York Region, so we opened Phase 3, I think, a week before you guys. Uh-huh. Um, and so I waited two weeks, decided to see if anyone's going to, you know, catch anything, have any symptoms of the Rona. Nobody got it. So I actually went back <laughs> this week, started on Monday. Where's and, your gym, Nina? Is it close to uh, home? Because you're in a hot yeah, zone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's close to my house. It's at Weston and Langstaff. If anyone, the really distance doesn't it. matter, and you're still going into well. So, anyways, heavy breathing, heavy droplets. Nina lives in a hot zone. People so like her I boyfriend actually, knew actually, this no, before no, no, he started dating her. Zone. We were only hot zone for a month. Brampton became a new hot zone, and don't let people think I live there. So, anyways, this is how it works. You have to book an appointment online. You have an hour to work out, which that's the only part I don't like because for me, like I have a bit of asthma and rushing like on Monday, my first day back, I had to like chill out because I was starting to get dizzy, um, trying to rush and get everything in within the hour. But you have an hour after that, they close, lock up, kick everyone out, sanitize everything, spray. They have these sanitization guns, everything, spray down everything, then let the next group in. You have to wear a mask upon entering and in the bathroom, but not while you work out. Um, but it just felt so good to come back. I didn't really like, I actually maintained my strength, which I was happy about. Um, and I couldn't walk yesterday, which was good. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm just happy to be back. I actually, it's weird. I feel like this whole different change in my mood. Like I'm not as easily irritated anymore. It's like Christmas. So I'm just happy. (laughs) You found some Zen in the pandemic, basically. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like a gym addict. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just happy. My parents were trying to stop me from going, but I said, enough. It's been five months. I can't do these home workouts. Yeah, yeah, I'm lucky I can work out at home, so it's not a big deal for me. I wasn't part of a gym anyways. I was happy working out at home, and I still work out at home. Truly yeah. an introvert. Truly I, I am. The home workouts just don't do anything for me. Like, no, like I was actually losing muscle, muscle definition. I lost a lot of muscle definition and mass, and, and just it made me sad. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's the. And then the, on top the, of that, you were still eating Chick Fil A and stuff too. Well, only on Saturdays. Right. Okay. Except right. last week, I kind of might have screwed up, but because right. I knew I was going to the gym this week, so yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think that um, I'm gonna give it a little bit more time, but like you, Nina, I definitely miss the the resistance work of working with weights. Yeah, uh, and definitely like. You're a total body workout. I've been jogging, which has been phenomenal for, you know, for weight loss and mm-hmm. like cardio health. Like, and I was even talking to, uh, I was talking to my boy RT about it. Shouts out to RT, obviously guest of the show. Um, and I was just telling him, and I think I was telling you too, right? No, maybe not you ready, but it's helped with my focus by yeah. like at least like a good, I mean, if I had to give a, a percent, but like an increase of, I'd say like up to 50% being able to like actually get into a zone of focus. Usually it takes me, you know, if you have a task you and you know, you'll like, you might dilly dally, go on Instagram or you'll find ways to procrastinate. I find that it's a lot easier for when I know I have to do things to like lock in right away and be efficient with my time. Yeah. And being active has helped with that. I've been doing some cross training as well. Shouts out to, uh, to uh to mary who who does uh cross training um uh, mary buggin is on her is her instagram anyway I, i'll post it later on but i've been doing hit training in the morning mary twice a buggin week. <laughs> uh yeah man she's my she's been my trainer right. um get fit with mary i think her, her company is so yeah but that being said i definitely miss gyms but eh, i don't know if i'm ready yet i don't know if i'm ready yet to is go she back illin or is she buggin She's, uh, she's, uh, she's training. She's training is what she's doing quite well too. So, um, yeah, well, uh, listen, we're doing well so far. We have been maintaining very low numbers across Ontario as far as new infections. Uh, hopefully we'll figure out or this school reopening doesn't throw that completely out of bound, uh, out of whack, but we're just going to have to keep an eye on that and hopefully, uh, you know, come up with some some safe propositions on how to reopen schools. But in the meantime, um, we need to continue to be vigilant about staying safe and doing our best to stay apart and mask up and uh, try to navigate through this, man. Yeah. Um, any last things that you guys want to let the people know about you got coming up? Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, uh, that... Uh, well, for me, I would say, listen, besides following myself at Solitaire Music on Instagram, I encourage you all to also follow the organization I work with, the FU Project, the FU, the Forgiveness Project. The uh, social media tag on Instagram is at Project F Word. And I've been doing an interview series featuring community workers who do who work with youth and communities across the city trying to address issues of poverty and and uh systemic uh you know incarceration um and yeah definitely tune in on that on wednesdays and i've also started uh thursday cookups with yours truly solitaire and they are both on instagram live on at project f word um and yeah and follow me and as well Follow hashtag at, oh my God, at hashtag vibe 105 
and connect with us. We've got a lot more engaging things coming up. So I want to let everybody know to follow us and continue to support us. We appreciate you. Uh, that was a long-winded wrap-up, but we are officially done. So on behalf of No Better Nina and DJ Ready Fox, this is your truly solitaire. We appreciate your support. And we will get at y'all next week on the program. Have a good one, y'all. Peace. Hi, motherfuckers. <laughs> That's it? Okay. That's it, unless you guys want to add anything to to or say peace out to the podcast, motherfuckers. No, that's it. That's it. Let's go away. Yeah. Well, podcasters, we love y'all too. And we appreciate y'all. And obviously share this, tell a friend to tell a friend. And uh, get at us as well on our socials at hashtag Vibe105. Yours truly at Solitaire Music, at No Better Nina, at DJ Ready Fox. All right, motherfuckers. We'll get at y'all next week. Peace. Bye.